Hey, boomers, fire up your retro rockets for the podcast that takes you back in time to another world that's the segregational world of a 1990s childhood via the polished lens of the world's only game-accurate 90s Sonic the Hedgehog comic, Sonic the Comic. We're here every fortnight to be your Humes who think they're in charge. I'm Dave Bulmer. My name is Chris McFeely, and we've also got a guest with us this week. Hello, my name's Jolene, lesbian autocon on Twitter. I've done a couple of things online, but if you're listening to this, you probably know me as the one who designed the podcast's first... Well, I, I say design, I rendered the podcast's first logo, because it is basically <laughs> just... The STC logo. Yeah, but you put podcast on it. Yeah. Plagiarism is the highest form of flattery. And made us mugs. I'm drinking from a Sonic the Comic the Podcast mug right now. And the three of us are here with issue number 95 of Sonic the Comic. And so I must wish you both a belated Happy New Year as we crash headlong into 1997 with this issue. Oh, goodness me. Cover dated January the 21st, but released on January the 8th. Yes, and I'm actually on this for specific reason because this one is the last issue that came out before i was born no because i am a baby boomer no. <laughs> oh i like that okay you're, okay baby boomer i do like that eh? okay you're allowed you're allowed i was about to kick you off but you're allowed on now and these two have spent the last 90 or so episodes being coddled by old farts like them so they they've had <laughs> too, good, too long they need a young radical to come in and tell them the harsh truths <laughs> so this issue was literally on shelves when you came into the world yep Wow, think of that. And you know, I have to say, the difference as we begin 1997... Mm. You're on the scans, right? Yes, I am. See, this is the thing, mm. because Dave and I, as always, were on the physicals, right. and Physical. the difference is tangible instantly. Like paper quality. Yes, this is a very floppy sort of a comic. Yeah, they've, Ooh, they've, this is they've it. changed the stock. Beginning with 1997, Sonic the Comic's page count is reduced by four pages. Mm. And now the cover is the same paper stock as the interior paper. Yeah. It does not have a nice heavier, glossier cover. They haven't changed the interior paper at all. It's still the same. Yeah. But the cover is now the same. And, oh, I hate it. I hate it so much, Dave. Yeah, it's flimsy. It's flopsy. There's a bit of an aesthetic shift, Mm, isn't it? Yeah. A bit more of a stock art look to the cover. Well, that's because it is, yes. (laughs) Uh, Yes. Well, is it? Or did they just draw it to look like it is? Because I'm not sure I've actually seen this before. It just looks so stock art, doesn't it? I mean, that's been cropped out from whatever asset it was created for with the polygonal lasso tool. Oh, yeah, with the very, very uneven lines. Yeah, and then they've just put a little, you know, drop shadow glow around it. Oh, mm. oh, and look, in fact, so what it is, listeners, it's just Sonic from the side running along and they've done a, a you know, a standard Photoshop outer glow around it. But that outer glow goes from white to black. The outer edge of the glow is black. So you mm. can see like a black line oh. between oh, I the glow even... and the background. No, I didn't until just now. <laughs> and the background is just, they've tried to hide it by just having a purple swirl on black. Oh, I think it might be that they put the glow in and then they lassoed that out and then stuck it on top of the <laughs> purple swirl. It Maybe. could well oh, be. Oh, that's, that's bizarre. I don't like that. I want to say that less effort went into this cover because of the free gift. Ah, yes. Which is the Sonic Spinner from issue 21, but in orange instead of green, which will cover the vast majority of the comic. I've not gone delving to find my spinner. Is this picture on the spinner? Is this what it is cropped from? I wanted to say it was the clip art of Sonic rolled up in the ball, Uh. but just looking actually at the inside front cover... Oh, no, because there's a picture of it on the control zone, like very faintly, 
Yeah, it actually is, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Oh. That's what it is. That explains it then. Perhaps later I'll dig through my box and see if I've got it and we can see whether or not it fares any better on the spinner than it does on the cover. Well, it'll be much smaller because, I mean, it's not a big frisbee. You remember, it's only wee. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're not talking about a full-size frisbee here. No, it's not the full size of even the cover. You know, it would just cover a, a, a decent-sized chunk. Mm. Well, I don't know, I suppose. I'm remembering what it was like in my hand 26 years ago. Uh, my hands are bigger now, so maybe it's even smaller than I remember. It could be tiny, like a CD. Other features in this issue include top flight, new stories flight, like a frisbee flies. Mm-hmm. Like a bird flies. Yeah, I said bird. Uh, the big fight and out for a spin. Spin, like a bird spins. <laughs> a badnik motobug pinup, plus Knuckles, a Saturn game review, and more. Yep. I'm sorry, I'm distracted by how floppy this is. It, it, it does. It's There's no getting past it, is there? It's not as deliberately flimsy as, say, a Beano. No, it's not printed on newsprint or uncoated paper. Or, well, like a, a Beano of the time. I don't know, perhaps a Beano <laughs> now probably feels like this. I'd say a Beano now probably feels a little better than this. Probably. Uh, this is... It's so... It's, that's the word for it. Floppy. It makes the whole comic floppy. It is an instant... A just tangible difference that anybody reading on the scan simply won't understand. Yeah. It's 100% an in-your-hand thing. The content of the comic, uh, beyond the fact that there are four fewer pages, not especially different as compared to what we've been getting recently, but it's just as soon as you have it in your hand, you know a corner's been turned. Yeah. And it's a corner leading down. <laughs> if you hadn't already stopped reading this at this point, Chris, mm. do you think that this would have kicked you off? Oh, I don't know. That's a very good question because already my patience was running pretty short with the comic at this point. Just looking at it in the shop, as we know, the Hulk and Spider-Man parody stories had pushed me up to an edge that would get worse in the next issue. Oh, I imagine his little red face (laughs) seething in the corner shop. (laughs) Do you know, do you know, do you know, I think I'm going to have a much better reaction to the next one of those parody stories today now than Mm -hmm. I did when I was a kid. Uh, But that's next episode. We'll find out. That's next issue. What about this issue? What about this issue? Control Zone. So, we've got Megadroid here. He says, I'm having a real orange ordeal. So, I guess the spinner is orange, is it? It was. It was orange. The other one was was green. Mm. And you can see in the box below Megadroid's welcome screen, they've even titled Orange Aid. Aid, Because they're going to help you to do a frisb. They're really leaning on the... uh, in fact, it was orange. Because it's the sort of free gift where you could imagine it would have been done in all Different sorts of colours and it wouldn't yeah. have mattered. Yeah. But no, they're all orange. <laughs> yeah, and, and apparently it matters to them. I'm having a real orange ordeal. The CD humes who think they're in charge have me under attack. CD like a bird's seed. <laughs> <laughs> and it's leaving a bitter taste in my mouth, not to mention a dent in my metal. Bitter like a bird's bitter. What? <laughs> but no. Before I go and thump them, don't copy this at home, let me mention STC's two news stories which feature this issue. And then he starts talking about what's in it. I just got a great sense of amusement out of knowing that Megadroid was being treated exactly the same way I treated my little brother with the previous <laughs> no. Just having it pelted at him. <laughs> and did he then come and thump you? Uh, no, I don't remember that happening, no. Oh. Because I, I think I was probably doubled over on the floor already. <laughs> Well, he owes you one. What had happened? He's got one still in the chamber waiting for you in that case. <laughs> <laughs> Just waiting for this moment. I'll come downstairs after I finish this. <laughs> um, but be warned, there's another mega gift heading your way in the shape of an exclusive Sonic badge next issue. Ooh. 
Now, where was I? Oh, yes, about to break my New Year's resolution. Where are those humes? Megadroid has killed before and will kill again. <laughs> <laughs> Every year we only live because he keeps making a New Year's resolution not to wipe out not humans. To. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, we ought to send something in tribute to him then before the year's out. But then we have this orange aid box. It's not just Tails and Short Views who get to fly, boomers. Tens of thousands of STC Sonic spinners are whizzing across living rooms and unsuspecting droids at this very moment. To ensure maximum effect from this fantastic free gift, here are a few suggestions to help you become a high flyer. And then they just tell you how to throw a frisbee. Which is reprinted. Is it reprinted? Straight from issue number 21 when they told you how to use a frisbee then too. <laughs> <laughs> They've left out, uh, it's a countdown step here. Step three is swing out the lower half of your arm combined with a firm flick of the wrist. And the original version of this included the sentence, repeat the phrase, if you love something, let it go, brackets, this is optional. <laughs> <laughs> Which I've never forgotten for some reason. No, evidently you couldn't let it go, but they have. I'm not sure, I agree. I'm trying to I'm trying to do it now with my arm. The lower part of your arm. I feel like we had this debate. <laughs> Back in issue 21. Maybe I just throw frisbees wrong. Well, wait, sh mime for us now in this audio medium the way you throw a frisbee. Okay, well, well, if it was me, if I'm throwing a frisbee, I'm kind of doing that. I'm going from the elbow. Do you know what I mean? Like that. Whereas yes, the lower half of the arm. From the elbow. I suppose it depends which way up you're holding your arm, doesn't it? <laughs> see, that now well, it's the see, upper part of my arm. How high do you be throwing a frisbee? Now it's the lower part of my arm. No, it's not. It's never the lower part of the. You, well, that's no. my point. No, that's my point. So, so I'm saying I think of that. Sorry, as... no, I got it. I meant to. No, it's always the lower <laughs> half of your arm because it's the bit below your elbow. I suppose so. Yeah, unless it's now it isn't. Now it's a bit above my elbow. <laughs> no, it's not. Stop that! Oh my god! No, right? Not no no. See, done. I didn't quite pass that it was a frisbee. So oh. when I'd see position your STC spinner between your thumb and forefinger, my brain immediately jumps to like a, a fidget, fidget spinner. Yes, of course you're young. The spinners uh, are yeah. something else. <laughs> I mean, thumb and forefinger, that's a slightly odd... I'm not sure... Well, what no, 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 they mean like... Pinching the cup, pinching the like, edge. It's like, like that. You hold it like that, don't you? Like, yeah. I guess. Like, yeah. Like, grip it like that. I'd probably hold it more with the finger curving around the whole thing. Oh, that's nice. Yes. Oh, that's a good way of doing it. Might try that next time I'm frisbeeing. <laughs> yeah, like like, like hmm. that. Like I think this ultimately all just boils down to the fact that instructions on how to throw a frisbee are a very odd thing to print. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> but uh, they scrabble in for content in the first comic of the year. Yeah. Though, I mean, you said it's reprinted, so clearly they were scrabbling for content while back as well. <laughs> just to take it back a second, though, that first line of the welcome screen, I'm having a real orange dash ordeal. ordeal. Was he is he making some kind of orange order reference? It must be, mustn't it? Mustn't it? What? That's an odd thing to make a reference to. It is. What else could it possibly be? An orange ordeal? I guess they were just scrambling for orange puns. Oh. Well, they they done bad. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess seedy is because oranges have. Yes, that. I mean, seedy and bitter. That's why. Oh, bitter. Oh, oh, bit oh, with the bitter with the orange. I yeah. It's not very good, is it? It's not. It's I, not at all. No. I don't see the appeal. Uh, see the uh, like a bird, like a bird, like a bird. That's really turned into something else entirely at this point, hasn't it? <laughs> Well, we better start another segment. Like an orange. I'm gonna punch you like in the foot. 
How about the charts? The Sega Charts. FIFA 97's in at number one, eh? Uh, yeah, but so, um, you, that, you take that as red, don't you? But Sonic 3D there in position two, which as we know is actually position one. Number one. <laughs> when a sports game is at number one, it's, it doesn't count. And Sonic 3D is, uh, yeah, it's gone up as well. Yeah. Must be popular. Everybody likes it. The only other new entry is Man Overboard in at number 10 on the Game Gear. Wait, was that SS Lucifer? Did we do that? Was that the same as I last issue? I think so, yeah. Oh, now I have to check and make sure Ow. the charts aren't accidentally reprinted. Oh, dear. Well, we know they're not fully reprinted because Sonic 3D's got it. Unless we forgot. Yeah, we could have done, couldn't we? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like happens yeah. literally all the time. Yep. Yeah. It looks like the Mega Drive and the Saturn charts have been changed, but the Mega CD and the Game Gear charts haven't. They look like they've been straight reprinted. Testament to how little they matter. Yeah, it, what's happened here is it's the same, and they've gone, great, we'll just reprint it then, without realising one of them was new. That does mean that all the arrows and the re-entries and the news are are now wrong, <laughs> yeah. if nothing has moved. in the. But it's very easy to imagine nothing would have moved on the charts. Yeah. Well, at least the Game Gear chart. Well, and the Mega CD. I mean, that's... I was about to say who had a Mega CD, but also, we're in Saturn time now. That's two consoles ago, that's that. That's true, that's true. Now, we do usually pause on the charts mm. when we have a guest on, mm. but it doesn't really work this no, time. No point this no. time. Yeah, no. Suppose, it's it's possible you might have played some of these games, you know? like No, I my cousin had Tomb Raider and I played it a couple of times, but that's about it. Have you played Knights? Because Chris hasn't played Knights. I have not played Knights. Oh, God. The idea of seeing Tomb Raider as, like, something from a previous world. Tomb Raider. But we can reframe this by asking Joe, where was your Sonic introduction if it wasn't any of the stuff on this chart? Okay, well, my first Sonic game was uh, Sonic Advance 2, which I never finished because I wasn't very good at it, but it does kind of still form, like, the definitive image of Sonic in my mind. Well, the graphics were good. The Advance era. But I'm very embarrassed to admit that my actual my actual introduction to Sonic, my first Sonic love, oh, I, I think was I'm... Sonic f***ing Underground. Yeah, I oh, knew it. that's the one everybody uh, should be ashamed of. Yeah. <laughs> In my defence, I was like six, mm-hmm. and I had not developed taste yet. No, <laughs> I just thought that it was cool when he played the magic guitar. Yeah, and it's it's tailor made for people who haven't developed taste yet. <laughs> <laughs> And and that the theme tune is a banger. It is a banger. So yeah, it'll suck it you right in. Yeah. And at least it had knuckles, which uh none of the that's previous cartoons you know, did. Yeah. If true. I was a bit younger when that had come along, mm-hmm. just the simple promise of knuckles being in a flipping cartoon for once yeah. could well have been enough. But I, I you know, I don't think I ever saw any Sonic Underground when I was young. I was aware I was definitely aware of it. It wasn't a case like where I got on the internet and discovered this yeah. thing also existed in addition to the shows I'd already seen. Mm-hmm. I, I was aware of it, but I, I feel like I just like I rejected it so completely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well yeah. Having Jaleel White voice all three of them? <laughs> what was yeah. that about? Like, I watched some of Underground, a few episodes, and that was enough. You never got to see Knuckles' pet dinosaur. I couldn't swear I ever got to see Knuckles. Yeah, I thought Knuckles was only in one episode of Underground. Yeah, that Is that was my not impression. true? I don't remember. Fair enough. 
The fact that Knuckles had a dinosaur is like one of the two things that anybody ever says about Underground. That and the exploding baby. Yeah, that too. <laughs> I don't know about the exploding baby. <laughs> anyway, let's get off my terrible taste from when I was a baby. <laughs> get on to our terrible tastes Hooray! from when we were a baby. <laughs> it's Sonic Yeah! <laughs> The Big Fight, a very imaginative title written by Nigel Kitching, with art by Richard Elson, colours by Steve White, and letters by Tom Frame. Sonic is video chatting with his pals back on Mobius from his new apartment in New Tech City when a ruckus outside catches his attention. Two hulking brutes are fighting in the street, and when Sonic tries to intervene, they both tell him to mind his own business. Turns out they're the Bruise Brothers, who regularly brawl like this. Sonic saves an old woman from being crushed, but it turns out she's the brother's mum, come to drag the two naughty boys back home. Okay, so when I was doing my big read-through of this comic last summer, this was the strip that made me go, okay, they're clearly just filling space until issue 100 at this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I won't dispute it. Last couple of issues, also a bit of silly nonsense, but you can excuse them as like, one-offs for the Christmas and the New Year. This mm-hmm. one's just nothing. It mm-hmm. reiterates, Sonic is stuck in the special zone and he's sick of it. Well, me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does that. If we were to look at it more kindly, then we could describe it as another one of those break the big story for some status quo issues, you know what I mean? Which aren't inherently a bad thing. So this gives us another look at the sort of weird stuff that goes on in the special zone so it doesn't fall into the trap we've been complaining about where we think of the special zone as just a universe of superheroes and bees, like they have to give us it, lots of different things. This, this is still playing in that space though, isn't it? It's adjacent it? to the very, superheroes. Very much so. Yeah. You know, so, so they're called the Bruise Brothers, these guys, yes. right? And they, they look like the Blues Brothers. That's the yes. joke, folks. That's, you know, yes. they wear the black suits, the hats, the, the sunglasses. But here's the thing. Mm. I didn't know what the Blues Brothers were in 1997. <laughs> no. I thought these guys were a parody of the Marvel UK series, oh. which was itself a parody of the Blues Brothers, <laughs> the Sleaze Brothers. Right. So I thought this was just more Marvel Comics yeah. parodies that I was seeing in front of me. Right. I don't think I've ever heard of the Sleaze Brothers. No, I don't think I have either. It lasted six issues in 1989. I only know it exists because there were ads for it in the Marvel UK Transformers comic. Mm-hmm. I knew about the existence of the Blues Brothers. I hadn't seen it. I didn't really know what they were, but I recognised in the name the Bruise Brothers. Oh, I bet that's the Blues Brothers. But it's not really, is it? Because the Blues Brothers like each other and sing, whereas these don't and punch. It, no, it's, it's literally just, it's just, just a name and a visual gag. Yeah, yeah. I do really like the initial scene with Sonic and Tails. Yes. It feels like the ideal form of their STC relationship. Sonic's razzing him. Thank you. Yeah. My note for that page is. A textbook page of Sonic and Tails chatting on the phone. Yeah, Sonic's ratting him, agreed, but then when he agreed. sees that Tails actually thinks Sonic's upset, he's like, no, no, mate, come on, I'm only kidding. Yeah, yeah. Tails just doesn't get it sometimes. Yeah. yeah, I think it's the exact level of teasing that is appropriate, and then there's also this sense of them having grown up over time, so it is a bit more tamed, and he does be like, yeah. no, 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 you're all right. Yeah, it's lovely. A, a, a really good page. Yeah, that's Sonic's character development over the course of STC is... It's subtle, but it is there. Yeah. And I think that's something a lot of people miss. Mm. Well, you, it's easy to miss it when your only exposure to STC is six panels from the early 30s <laughs> issues posted on Twitter over and over. Entirely true. 
<laughs> this page does do something that I have gripes about that everyone who draws comics does. Which is three uh, D view screen. Yeah, it's when you're looking at the yeah when you're looking at the video screen from an angle, the people are at an angle as if they're just in a box talking to Sonic. It's very very hard to do TV screens like you know, the way they should appear. Well, back then it was. Now you just draw now it and flatten them. Warp it. Yeah. It's fine. This is a high tech special zone communicator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's three yeah. D scanning them or something. Have we talked about this before? Because I've this vague memory of telling you about the worst one of these I ever saw, and you knowing the one I meant, Chris. Uh, you know, I don't remember talking about it on the podcast, but I absolutely remember it. The portrait of Justin Hammer from the Doctor Octopus story in Ultimate, Ultimate Spider Man, which was a, a portrait hanging, hanging over a desk. Justin Hammer's <laughs> fireplace, which was plainly drawn <laughs> like as a, as a three quarters view. In one, in the big splash page, and then whenever it turns to Doctor Octopus punching his tentacles through it, it's head on. Yeah, <laughs> Mark Bagley drew that. Mark Bagley yeah. is so much better than that. What the f- happened? I think I know what happened. Have you seen how he was the artist on every single issue of Ultimate Spider-Man, and they were like twenty-four <laughs> pages a month or whatever? It's like that guy must be a machine. Mark Bagley can do that. Yeah, yeah. If that's apparently Mark Bagley can do that and make one mistake. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, but then that mistake will live in my mind for infamy for 20 whole years. Yours too, apparently. So apologies to listeners if we've already covered this. Page two. There's a sign that says, no way. Yes. Is that like a reference, a reference to, to the... the Blue Sphere select yeah. screen? Maybe, yeah. I think it can't be because Richard Elson was never into playing the Sonic games and I don't think he would have ever seen that. But... If, it certainly reads like one, doesn't it? So what it is, is it's a one-way street sign. And the joke is, it says, no way, exclamation mark. Oh, yeah. But it's that exclamation mark yeah. that makes you think it's a reference. <laughs> it's probably just like a little non-diegetic gag about how, no, there's two large fellas fighting over here. Don't don't go this way. That's no way to go. I'll tell you one thing I do like. Um, I was going to say one thing I do like about Elson's art this issue. Uh, there's great many things. But a little touch that I notice he's done this issue, which I don't feel has come across before, is it does feel like he has very purposefully created a sort of special zone fashion for everybody. Oh, All the civilians on the street are wearing slightly odd sort of retro futury clothes with all little huh. clips and zips and medallions and things oh, that yeah. that looks like he's really trying to create a sort of 2000 AD-ish yeah. fashion for, for the special zone for New Tech City that people on Mobius don't dress like. Yeah, yeah, I didn't pick up on that, but you're right. No, and um, I'm not keen on Steve White's colouring in this one. No, but... I think we've we've assessed at this point, haven't yeah. we, that Steve White colouring Richard Elson just does neither of them. It, it, it's less than the sum. A great artist and a great colourist yeah. just come together somehow to be the, a less yeah. than the sum of the parts. But it, it is lovely art, but mm. yeah. I think maybe a bit too lovely, like you were talking about in the uh, Captain Plunder serial. Oh, right. Whenever Elson draws something, there's a sort of epic tone that yeah. gets mm. added to it. That this story just really doesn't warrant. I feel white then maybe kind of helps to pull it back down mm, a little true. bit closer to the level that it feels like a story like this should operate on. Um, well, oh, sorry. What I was going to say about Steve White is that he's joined in with that job of creating this fashion and put a load of, well, I was going to say like pastel purples and so on, but I suppose the whole thing is kind of done in pastel purples. I mean, pastels are what Steve White's yeah. stock in trade, aren't they? Yes, although the it's odd. I agree with that statement. But, you know, look at Sonic. He's the right blue. I, I don't really know why we 
see it that way, but that is the way it looks. Like everything's got this muted pastel sense to it. Which I don't think I always feel when he's colouring other artists. Yeah. That is something that I do really like about the colouring in this. Sonic really, like, sticks out and feels out of place like he mm. should yeah. in Maybe the that's context the point. of the story. Maybe that is the point. Look at his big ooh face on page four. <laughs> yeah. On most of the pages, honestly, like, 90% of the panels he appears in have him doing a ooh face. He's be doing the ooh face, but I think it's the combination of the really angry eyebrows and the ooh face on page yeah. four in particular. Well, and, and the colouring, I mean, look at it at the top left of page four. Steve White has picked out and surrounded that ooh with so much shading and, and shaping. It What it looks like is that bit at the beginning of Mac and Me where the alien gets slammed no, out in front of a no. car and he does a big ooh face. It's like that. I mean, you're right. You're completely correct, but oh no. <laughs> I like that uh, this bit, it's a, a revisitation of the idea that Sonic can't tell the difference between the goodies and the baddies in, yes, uh, in the special yes. zone. But I'm not sure if it's a conscious one mm. because they do look the same. This that's where the joke kind of uh, that's, yeah yeah. It, 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 in, internal to this strip, it works as a gag because they both look identical. Obviously, you can't tell which ones are the goodies and which ones were the baddies, but it doesn't sit well alongside the previous implementation of the joke. Yeah, it felt very contrived to me in the context of the previous heroes and villains story. Yeah, it's like if they were different designs, but but I, that's why I say I don't know if it's deliberately a callback to the idea that mm. Sonic still does doesn't know who the goodies yeah. and baddies are in this world because it feels like the reason he can't tell the difference is less because they're fighting for no reason and more because they are physically identical. Well, I suppose rather than looking at it as a bit of law, like Sonic can't tell the difference between goodies and baddies here on this planet, you could see it as just different expressions of he is not meant to be here, he doesn't know what's going on, fish out of water confused, and he's never going to learn. He's never going to be in water here. Sure, but he's been a fish out of water for like six months i think it's the joke's wearing a little bit thin well i mean talk to me about that because that's just how i feel in my life now and it doesn't go away you know like (laughs) (laughs) all the young people everywhere liking new musicians and actors yeah saying that their first sonic is underground i'm like what's going on there (laughs) it's a a changed world and i'll never be used to it show me a star post quick What about this bit where one of the brothers uh, punches the other guy into a building and it collapses, and then this one guy sticks his head <laughs> in from the corner of the panel and goes, Lucky, it was due for demolition today and nobody was living there. <laughs> I mean, are we thinking that's another Mr. Shifter's dart gun moment from editorial? Parachutes. Don't Don't jump out windows stuff? I wonder. Yeah, I couldn't tell if it was a joke or an editorial edition. Is it some sort of commentary on, again, superhero comics and the mindless destruction? Mm-hmm. Actually... I just couldn't tell what the point was of that. Joe, now that you say that, I'm leaning towards that because... Obviously, if it was an editorial edition, it's happened before Richard's drawn these two people, because they're definitely both talking. Oh, yeah, sure. And there's no other point in the panel, so, like, yeah, I bet it's a joke about... Well, the point of the panel is to show the building collapsing. Well, yeah, but there's no point in that happening, if we're not going to comment that there's nobody in it. You know what well, I mean? The sheer, like, you can comment on the sheer devastation that the fight is causing. I mean, they, they've caused quite a lot of devastation already, yeah. you know? Today, it reads like a comment on Man of Steel or whatever, and back then, it might have read as a comment on Power Rangers, where they smash buildings all the time. I think it's a joke. I, I'm not so charitable. I think it's an editorial. <laughs> he's not He's not so charitable, listeners. I've, if you ever met him, you'll know. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing about the art that specifically... Like, the 
guy poking his head in from the corner of the panel doesn't look like relieved or yeah. anything. He's just mm. he's just sort of saying something. So he could have easily been saying something uh, else or yeah. even just sort of gawping in horror. Yeah, yes. yeah, exactly. It doesn't have to be. Yeah, it does. The, ch- the change to dialogue doesn't have to have been made before Elson yeah. through the panel. Yeah, he could have said, "My baby's in there." Yeah, literally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact, well, I suppose the fact Sonic makes absolutely no move to try and do anything yeah. for the possibility that there are people in the building. Maybe it could have. It could have originally been scripted that way. Yeah, but that's Fleetway Sonic, though, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> don't give a shit. No, about it's not. He tries to save an old woman <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah, that speaking of, there's a bit of a weird jump cut between like the fifth and sixth. Yeah, there pages. flipping the, is. Booth, yeah, the Booth yeah. Brothers' mum doesn't she doesn't show up at all prior to the dramatic panel of Sonic going, No! That's the, the thing. Big dolly zoom. <laughs> yeah, I was like, sorry, if I missed a page or something. So was I. Have they left one out of the scans? So listeners, at the end of page five, you see Sonic in close-up doing his ooh face, going, Who are these idiots? And then you turn the page and the next panel is a dramatic Zoom in on Sonic with all like manga speed lines around the outside, and he's going no, and we don't know about what, and we never really get to see about what. Yeah, because it's already fine in the next panel. It's a very odd. Well, there's an old woman caught between the two of them, and there's a big, you know, yeah. she, she's in tremendous danger of being smashed. That but... is the explanation for it. Yeah, but we don't see that until Sonic's already gone no, and so it looks like he's reacting to the news that these are the Bruise Brothers and they fight once a month. No, but yes, you're both completely right. Yeah, there's a weird disconnect yeah no you would expect that no if the previous panel had been that rock going towards the old woman and instead it's just no and then you see the rock sailing over the top of and missing the old woman and it's odd it's a strange little it's a strange little it is a strange little it is and it just turns out she's their mum of course it does he drags her out of the way she bonks him with the key of course it does a welcome return of the Nigel Kitching old mum gag yeah that's true Kitching is the one who does the old mum gags isn't it Yeah. yeah And that does the old Monty Python line, and uh... that's the thing. It, this is the least good mm. old mum. Yeah, I, like it. It contributes to this whole story just feeling kind of like a rehash of all mm. the prior Special Zone stories. And it, it's their mum is. It's a good gag. Yeah, it works. But this one just doesn't have really anything else going for it. I mean, it's a solid gag when it's rooted in the idea that these are literally two brothers that are fighting mm. and they're, and it's their whole thing is that they're parodies of a famous pair of brothers. Imagine if the Blues Brothers' mum had come along and told them to mm. stop all mm. that nonsense 15 minutes or so into the film, you know? Mm. The only trouble is that it does leave us with this real sense of like, well, what was that for then? Because What was that all about because... then? And I've had that reaction to several strips over the last couple of months. So what was that all for then? Sure, yeah. but I think this one the most. I would lean towards it, yeah. Because so- it ends on Sonic going, there you go, what was that? He says it, he goes like, well, that was weird, I'd better get out of here. And we already know that he wants to get out of here. It's <laughs> yeah. just marking time. Yeah. yeah. I-, I think as a totally isolated set of seven pages. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. But yeah. within the wider context of where it falls and what's going on around it and how thin my patience is stretched at this point, <laughs> I have a much more hostile attitude towards it than I think it perhaps deserves. It feels like the nadir of a dip rather than just something that exists in a vacuum. I could not disagree with that. Mm. Next issue is called Hero Hour. And I'm, I'm quite looking forward to reading that one because I want to see what my reaction to it as an adult is. Okay. There's some choices made in that one. Okay, <laughs> you two clearly know what it is, and I don't. Refusal! 
guess the car game on, car the, on the Saturn, isn't it? You know? Um, I've only got one note on this one, which is Megadroids refuse to acknowledge the existence of the PlayStation, much like Dave. Yes, that's yes. the one great thing about this review zone. Yes. Destruction Derby, the review says, is a good conversion of the original PlayStation game. In brackets, the what? Megadroid. <laughs> like, yes, that's the correct attitude. A console that doesn't exist yet could not possibly be referenced here. <laughs> no, it is 1997, to be fair. The PlayStation even definitely exists in my mind, even back then at the time, you know? Yes, I'm afraid so. That joke is now out to pasture, I think, for, yeah. for, the, for the future of the podcast. 90, and now, I didn't get a PlayStation until Christmas 97, but obviously I knew it was a thing. I don't remember thinking it was a thing in 95, 96. No, 97 is the year of the PlayStation. Hmm. As far as you and I are concerned. As far as we're concerned, yeah. 97, slightly more significant year for Joe. Yes. <laughs> Not that you have any memory of it, of course. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't leave you much to talk about in the review otherwise, does it? It's it's, it's it's uh, it's not a given list of options or anything. It's just no. a very straightforward description of what the game involves. The graphics are good. There's a lot of activity in every race. The game's atmosphere is boosted by spectacular crashes and cheeky comments from the drivers. It sounds mildly more interesting than your average just go fast and win the race one because the gimmick is yes. you're meant to bash the other cars You're up. meant to smash into mm. cars. Yeah, that's that's always good. But it's not exactly like Mario Kart, is it? <laughs> the one car game I ever really got into when I was a kid was uh, Formula One Grand Prix. On the Amiga! In which one of the things you could do was turn the car round the wrong way, drive down the track in the wrong direction, smash into cars, and then watch the smash from different angles. And that was <laughs> that was what you did in that game. Presumably there were people in the world who played it normally. That was what I did. So I probably would have quite enjoyed this. Yes, the actual racing is always the least interesting part of any racing game. <laughs> well, that's an indictment, isn't it? <laughs> True, though. <laughs> Bear in mind there are a lot of other very good racing games on the Saturn. Just a weird little qualifier at the end mm. to justifiably knock the score down to 75. Yeah, oh gosh. That's, Only fun city. That's very low for this. Yeah, I mean, it seems like, yeah, that, again, what what's an indictment of the entire project? It seems as if they're saying, yeah, this is fine. And it, there's loads of fine games. Why why have we got this? <laughs> Just glancing at uh, some of the aggregate scores, uh, it does seem like the Saturn version was the worst received of them. It was on oh. N64 as well oh. as uh, PS1 and PC2. Uh, interestingly, according to our friends over at Sega Retro, the Saturn version wasn't released in the US. Oh. Huh. Which is... Odd. Yeah, because you'd think the Saturn needs all the games it can get. Yeah. It just feels like the Saturn in particular in Europe just didn't there yet. I would have thought if it would have come out anywhere, it would have come out in the US because it needed all the help it can get. But but Saturn just, it doesn't, I don't know, just doesn't even, just, what? there's no Sonic on it. No. It's so <laughs> strange what happened with the Saturn. The fact that it was like the big console in Japan and here, they just never knew what to do with it at all. They didn't have anything. They didn't release anything just nothing and the more the, that that was my impression of it from memory but then as we've gone through this and like seen exactly what they did have it's like yeah nothing <laughs> those are 3do ports yeah almost a victim of the mega drive success really yeah yeah, yeah certainly yeah. within the within europe at the very least and yeah. the incompetence of the people whose job it was to get the next success going yeah incompetence and infighting mm. but it is only a one-page review zone yes because this is where we first feel the knife <laughs> of the missing pages it's a one-page review zone. Normally the review zone would be two pages and an ad, and then we would go into Knuckles, but it is a single-page review zone 
And then we go into... Knuckles Roots, part two. Written by Nigel Kitching, art by Nigel Dubbin, letters by Elita Fell. The talking tree, the eldest tree on Mobius, spokesman of the planet's very ecosystem, urges Knuckles and the protesters to leave so they will not be hurt when Robotnik's newest enforcers arrive, a mystic named Omen and two cybernetically enhanced gorillas. Knuckles and Ebony square off against them, but in the battle, a stray blast destroys the Elder Tree, and the other trees unleash their wrath, causing a huge dark forest to sprout up around our heroes. This one's pretty good. Hmm. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's not bad. Yeah. Rather enjoying this. There's something unearthly about this tree. You know, you, mm, yes. you see a tree with a big old man face on it, and it's like, yeah, whatever, I've seen this a million times before. But mm-hmm. the way he introduces himself as the eldest of the fauna, you mean flora there, mate, sorry, you messed yeah. that one up, but <laughs> yes. the eldest of that, and he speaks for the whole ecosystem of Planet Mobius. It's And then, the, you know, we highlight the old ecology versus industry theme of Sonic. The planet has been polluted. It is time to call a halt. Knuckles is amazed. He says the trees are something special. And then the elder tree says, We are no more precious than the other trees of Mobius. Only your race would think talking was so important. That's real good. Real good. I love that bit. I always love insights into, like, more alien thought processes. Yeah. That's always something I love in sci-fi and fantasy stuff. The idea of it speaking for the biosphere as well. It's a little bit bit swamp thingy. A little bit Parliament of Trees. Uh, uh. (laughs) I was going to say a little bit Lorax. Mister, I am the Lorax. I speak for the trees. (laughs) (laughs) Unless... And isn't it right, Nigel Dobbin, who better to draw an old tree man? Who better? Mm. Oh, absolutely. The art in this, it's just gorgeous. Mm. Knuckles does stick out like a sore thumb compared to the trees and even just the like slightly more realistic animal people, just because he's so cartoony and simplified, but doesn't detract from the story as a whole. No, it's great. It's lovely stuff. Like these three enforcers show up. And instantly, I am like, oh, hey, what's the deal with these <laughs> oh, I, guys? I love I want to know these guys' story. Absolutely yeah. love these cyber gorilla goons. I love that one of them's wearing a cowboy hat for no reason. Why is he wearing a cowboy hat? What's his deal? One of them's a sheriff. Yeah. The other one's a cyborg eye guy. Like, it's as if, like, one's a cyborg and the other one's just a sheriff in a big suit. <laughs> <laughs> the cyborg one in particular, very Judge Dredd. Mm. Yes. I did have a moment of, like, well, excuse me, who are these people when they first <laughs> appeared? Because they're not actually introduced. They're just there suddenly in a panel, and then we fight them for the rest of the issue. But, like, you know, whatever. It makes sense. No, it's, uh, you know, the tree says, Robotnik's forces will return. We don't want anyone yes. to get harmed. And then I feel like, you know, if this was a cartoon or a film, you'd hear the voice say, you ought to listen to the tree. And then everyone would turn around, and there was the threat the tree warned of. It's these guys. Yeah, I think maybe it could have done with being a, a page-turn reveal. Yeah, yeah, actually. Well, yeah. In, in this is two pages spread across, so there would be no turn. Ah, uh, I see. Unfortunately, yeah. the way these pages fall in the in the comic, but uh, no. But yeah, so there, the two gorillas are absolutely enormous, and then there's this little wiry. What animal do we think he is? A dog? A rat? I'm getting kind of rat vibes. Yeah, because he's got the long skinny tail. Yes. He's got that kind of old Asian martial arts wise man kind of look going on. He looks like Splinter in a costume. Turtle power doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. And he's got 
powers. He's uh, Omen is he's the wizard of the group. Yes, transformed from the norm by the nuclear group, and he's going <laughs> to fight uh, Ebony, and they're going to shoot rings of magic at each other for a while. And Ebony's familiar with him as well because he, she knows his name. Yes, Omen. Robotnik thinks you can handle me, does he, Omen? So that's you know, when you've got like a wizard, you do kind of have to have a wizard for them to fight. Otherwise, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. You know, she'd probably take those gorillas apart. Yeah, she and Omen fight so Knuckles can fight the gorillas together. Same as Ebony is interesting. She like obviously sticks out for having magic powers and you know being quite cool, but she doesn't have a huge impact on the story overall. She adds a bit of interest to the fight scene, but otherwise mm. she could just be one of the protesters and basically nothing would change. And I think it's quite interesting that she seems to have been like latched onto by larger Sonic Phantom as one of the STC things they pay attention to. Because I guess she just fills a niche that isn't really filled by any character from anywhere else in she's the magic-using hero, and she's another cool girl, which is always something that Sonic could use more of. And because she does get used a lot in the coming year. and uh... She does, but... Well, I, w- I won't spoil it, but... That's it. We only have the vague memory of what her role is, whereas you've much more specific thoughts on what her what her integration into the comic is. Yeah, I won't spoil it, but I think the way that outside fans pay attention mm. to her is interesting, considering the role that she will take. Mm. Right. It, it does certainly feel like the idea for the character came first here. Mm-hmm. And then Kitching, and maybe Dobbin, I don't know, maybe they co-created her, don't know. And Pajamas as well, who is definitely also here. <laughs> yep. Uh, like, m- maybe the larger role that they will go on to have in the future of the comic was being thought ahead to already. But whatever the case is, it's very much apparent that these are two characters who arrive very fully formed. And they've just been put yeah. in this story as a means of introducing them, rather than because it's a story about them. Getting them into the comic. When I say fully formed, I mean, it, she's a cool cat girl magician, and Pajamas is like a a dog of something. What do you call those dogs that have that big floppy fringe that hangs down over the eyes? That's what oh, Pajamas I don't know. is. I call them a mop, but that's because of Mop and Smith, which was the first one I saw. <laughs> Don't know what they're actually called. And she's the uh, the psychic who's a bit rubbish. The other day, Abby said that she thought that it was a hat, and I was. I thought that it was a hat, and I was like, "Hang on, like I a think Russian that does hat. come up in the in an episode that hasn't come out yet. Yeah, I guess yeah. it'll be last issue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I thought it was. Um, or well, or I remember being unsatisfied with my inability to know if it was a hat or hair the whole time. <laughs> it is a bit odd looking. It feels like it's covering the front of her face and then nothing else. Yeah, it feels very flat. I want to know more about these gorillas, though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. How cool these dudes are! That one fired a missile out his shoulder. <laughs> I love the bit where Knuckles jumps in and he goes, the name's Knuckles, bozos, and this is how I got my name. Oosh, you slayed! Do a bit of punching, <laughs> innit? Yeah. Do I look like I need your power? <laughs> I'm insulted. You don't even recognise me, do you? Time was I was a most wanted character on Mobius. That's a great line. He's just part of the gang now, isn't he? He's not yeah. special anymore, Knuckles. And then, th- so that missile that the gorilla fires from his shoulder, yeah, it destroys the elder tree. Look at this panel of the trees going mad. 
Yeah. Oh, Ooh, that's oh, a scary wow, yeah. good panel. Yes. It's very, um, the horrible forest from uh, Snow White. Yeah, it's like if you take the Snow White horrible forest and then you make the faces oddly realistic. Yeah. <laughs> they burst out of the ground all over. It looks like they're growing maybe to spread all over the metropolis zone or at least the building around them. I'm not sure. They're, they're, it's quite far reaching anyway. Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't notice yeah. that panel where that you see them there. coming through roofs and things. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can see it coming through, like, the nearest building, but it doesn't really look like they're growing through or on the further away buildings. Yeah, the ones in the background don't seem to be, yeah. No, not really. But this is the first we've really seen of this building, so that I take that as it showing you that they're gonna sprout through some city because there's no there's no other mention of this building, is there? Yeah, it's not like they're near it. I do like, but I like Knuckles' reaction where he goes, "This is impossible," and Ebony goes, well, "Don't tell me, tell the flipping trees." <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, the gag we end on is that earlier in the strip, Pajamas had a vision of them being in a gigantic forest. And Ebony's like, yeah, your predictions are always wrong, Pajamas. And then, oh no, look, Pajamas' prediction came true at the end. Ooh. Next issue, Lost in the Woods. I do like Pajamas. I can appreciate a funny old lady. <laughs> do you think Pajamas is old? I don't really feel like she's old. She's sort of pudgy. It's the white hair for me. The white hair that's sort of frizzy uh, and going down over her eyes. Yeah, and there's a sense of cardigan, isn't there? Yeah, <laughs> a sense of cardigan. She never really read as old to me. I just saw the floppy dog hair that it is, you know. She seems like she was, you know, Ebony's just gal pal, you know. I can't make any proclamations about age, but I will say that when I was a kid reading this, I read the white hair to mean that she was old. But then, yeah, yeah that's the kind of dog, isn't it? That has yeah, that. well, I don't know. Yeah. Ebony seems like she's a hotshot woman in her 20s who's got a job that she should be at instead of this nonsense. Yes, and then you're surprised to see how old her girlfriend is. <laughs> I've seen this. I've seen this many a time. Kind of a mystique destiny kind of thing going on there. <laughs> yeah, the impression I got was Pajamas is like Ebony's sort of incompetent mentor. Yeah, it's quite good, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think this could be the high point of the issue. Yeah, it's just some really solid work. Not to say that the rest of this episode is all downhill from here. For no. Uh, no. <laughs> Although, speaking of the high point, we're probably about to plunge to the low point, so should we get it over with? <laughs> Oof. Yep, that that <laughs> certainly is a motorbug copied three times. And it is. And you, if you peer at it, you can see the little dots in the same place. Oh, there's no need to peer. It's the fact that the one close... So, <laughs> exactly, so what it is, yeah. is one piece of motorbug art by Farron Rodriguez, repeated three times in a row, uh, three quarters <laughs> yeah. view, because of course it is, uh, getting closer to us. And the one that's closest to us is just... <laughs> Battered with little flecks of paint and dust and dirt, yeah. Ooh, which dear. are all yeah. super visible, even more so than on the other moto bugs. But that's the thing that it's on all of them, but you can only—it's so zoomed in that you can see it as a big feature in this biggest one, and you can use that to track the others. Yes, those dots are the same; they're in the same place. Um, so yes, that is one drawing of a moto bug. They have pasted it three times. Is it? A, is it at least a moto bug? It is a moto bug. <laughs> oh, wait, wait. I've just found some information out. Ooh. I haven't been checking up till now. I've only been speculating. But this is the drawing of a motorbug featured on the Badnik Spotter cards. Ah. So this lends credence to my theory that they just got Ferran to draw all the Badniks back then. And this is what they're doing with them. They specifically called the Badnik Spotter cards Series 1, didn't they? So yeah. maybe they planned to do more, and then they were like, nah, we'll just do pin-ups with them instead. Yeah, there you go. That's what it is. Well, I hope they paid him again, because... I don't know what to do. Apparently he's very nice. <laughs> 
Sadly, this is where we get our second example of where the page cuts hit us, because we've noted over the last couple of issues that they've been very good about putting ads and other things on the back pages of the pinup, but here, once again, the last page of Knuckles is on the back of the pinup. And guess what's on the next page on the reverse of the pinup? Just some adverts! What are we on now? The fourth advert for the Disney Channel in as many months? Yeah. Advertising all the same shows yet again. Just different. I don't know if they're going to carry on like this, if we can always cover what they're doing here, but I do appreciate their approach to advertising the same thing every fortnight by producing a brand new page new of ad, advert right? nearly every time, even though the product doesn't change. This is where the idea that we had in our minds for the Disney Channel does feel like it falters, doesn't it? A bit. We used to think, oh, I have cartoons all day, every day! And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, but there are only so many cartoons, and there are only mm-hmm. so many episodes of those cartoons, because it's the Mighty Ducks, Bran Spankin' New Dog, The Little Mermaid, Aladdin, and Timon and Pumbaa again, all being spotlight here. Uh, the ad taking the form as, uh, as if it was a, a fashion show at a catwalk. Yes, it's a control zone-worthy gimmick page, isn't it, mm. where... Most of the time they're talking like this is a catwalk fashion show, but they keep forgetting as well. <laughs> the Sebastian and Flounder one makes no real mention of it, they're just there. Catch all your favourite characters strutting their stuff on the Disney Channel in January. It's a must for all those in the know. I get the strutting their <laughs> stuff, I guess, like, you know, yeah, str- like a- on, on the catwalk. The Mighty Ducks, this hard-wearing hockey gear doubles up for superheroes. A must for every teenage mallard's wardrobe this season. <laughs> The Little Mermaid. And here comes Princess Ariel, sporting the latest in beachwear. She's bound to make a big splash on the catwalks and on your TV screens. Sebastian and Flounder, Ariel's constant companions, carry on their hijinks under the sea. Mm. Spelled phonetically. Yes. Hmm. Although, um, that's not actually attached to the paragraph about the Little Mermaid. They've just well, got their own no, little No, you are definitely... A... It's it's a stupid layout, but you are it's definitely supposed layout, to yeah. read it that way because the Timon and Pumbaa one is definitely like the final beat of the yes uh even though it's on the bottom left yeah brand spanking new doug knobbly needs 12 year olds do you remember when everyone used to go on about knobbly knees <laughs> <laughs> you remember that no one knees were knobbly back then were they oh um, if you're not at ease with your knobbly, knobbly knees, knees and, and your fingers, fingers are all thumbs knobbly needs 12 sorry year- that one's completely lost on joe but the audience yeah, I, uh, sorry, will, will know it <laughs> but your kids are gonna love it <laughs> so so need stand on your two, two left feet and join our ragged old chums. chums. They're the ragged dolls. <laughs> ragged dolls. <laughs> it was a cartoon on yes. <laughs> about poorly made dolls. Who? What did they do? They like escaped from the factory they lived in, and yeah, I guess so. It's not much of a life when you're just a face. Just to be whoever you are is no disgrace don't be scared if you don't fit in look who's in the reject bin it's the raggy dolls raggy dolls dolls like you and me raggy dolls raggy dolls made imperfectly so if you got a bump on your nose or lumps on your toes do not despair be like the raggy dolls and say I just don't care Cause raggy dolls, raggy dolls Are happy just to be Raggy dolls, raggy dolls Dolls like you and me
It's like I'm getting my own private concert. (laughs) (laughs) Nobly needs 12-year-olds. It may not be everyone's idea of a supermodel, but who knows where Doug's imagination will take him next. Aladdin, the series. Cutting a dashing figure, here's Aladdin in an in... Uh, Genie-us little number from Arabia. uh, Like a lamp's genie. Timon and Pumbaa, and of course, Santa Stage, the Disney Channel presents those lovable rogues, Timon and Pumbaa, and um, they really want Timon and Pumbaa to be the the big mm. draw, don't they? Like they were the star of that comic strip format style ad we had. The oh, was that yeah, last right. issue. Never mind last I month. So. Well, it was last last issue. Was last month. It's the latest film to get turned into a TV cartoon. Yes, it, it feels like the most up to date one because. Aladdin is old, Little Mermaid is old, nobody cares about Mighty Ducks or Dog, so <laughs> Now again, we cannot ask Joe no. which of these shows Sadly she consumed not. in youth. No. no. But that was what was on TV back then. Dave, take us back to find out, I don't know, maybe maybe you've got something in there about what was on TV back uh, back then <laughs> that's not also this. I don't know. What, you know what it is. You know what it is. Start Seamless. it. Play the jingle. Roll VT. I have a bad case of diarrhea. 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 Welcome bad- to the Diary Zone, the part of the podcast where I lift you bodily into what is now 1997. Because I have here the hallowed tome. That's going to take some getting used to. I'm still going to be writing 96 at the end of my homework for a while yet. I know. Oh, and the diary (laughs) is going to go in an odd direction this year. Because because it's all about Sonic fans on the internet. (gasps) We're going to start hearing about them. (laughs) A living document! Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Not yet, though. I'm not on the internet yet. We're still at the very start of the year with my actual teenage diary. From that time. I still have it. It is here. It's all written in my own lovely handwriting. And it's got little drawings. Just in case you thought he'd been making it up for the last 95 episodes. Or however long it's been since we introduced the diary. I forget. (laughs) And we begin on the... Wouldn't put it past him. And we begin on the... Imagine. On the 7th of January, 1997 at 10.46pm. Late one. Yeah. Now this, this is a momentous occasion. It's got nothing to do with Sonic. But I feel like you'll appreciate it as a, as a landmark in my life, certainly. And, and you'll have an equivalent in your life. Today I discovered, to my relief, that I have finally, after five years of liking it to putting up with it, and then the following six years of hating it and skiving it, I have finally rid myself of P.E. <laughs> forever. Hey. Yes, 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 me and Mike, surprisingly, as he didn't turn up on choosing day, and Lee and John and Chris all got expressive arts. That's right, I'm off to be a theatre kid, loves, darlings. <laughs> that was not an option for me. No, when oh. did I do PE up until this year? 97? No, yeah, no, I was still doing PE. I'd still do PE for, yeah, it must be through till 98, and I'm doing PE still. That was it. I was out. We had the option of, like, as we start what must have been year two of GCSE or whatever, or term two or whatever we're on now, as we start whatever we're on now... Yeah, year two of GCSE won't start until mm. September this year. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know why it's happening now, but, uh, yeah, we were given... We, you, you had a term of expressive arts, which is drama and music and all that sort of stuff, and then you had a term of PE, and then you elected which one to do. And I remember... And, oh, my God, and it was the worst PE of my life. Like... It, you know, never mind what PE had been like before. I bet the worst PE of my life was worse than the worst PE of your life. Possibly. Why? 
My dad could beat up your dad. <laughs> uh, it's just because it was rugby, and I can't oh, imagine Dave Bulmer would ever have run around on a rugby Dave. pitch. No, although try and imagine Dave Bulmer running around on a football pitch. Can you imagine Dave Bulmer running anywhere? Running around. Well, I used to love a run around. It's just that then it became all about. <laughs> I'll tell you what it became about. As soon as the run around had an object at the end of it. Yeah. Well, it, here's what it was. It was as soon as the other boys running around with you knew all the rules, were fanatical about enforcing the rules, and were very angry with anyone who didn't care about the rules or didn't know them. <laughs> I had many a football kicked into my face, and the, you know many a pair of glasses skitter along the ground. And we're not talking about the grass. We had to play football in a an, an indoor, like, I, I loathe to call it a gym because it was concrete. It didn't have what you think of as a Oof. laminate gym floor there was yeah. straw on the floor in this gym straw it was if you fell over all your skin was off oh it was awful it was cold it was muddy it in there even though it was indoors it was awful place and it was just that i can't imagine i can't believe that that to anyone felt like a good time but i do remember that at the end of my um <laughs> time there as we, uh, when it was time to choose which one the pe teacher actually came up to me in a moment when i was alone and said, like, do not choose PE, Dave. <laughs> he said, I, I just I just want to say that I don't think that PE is is the option for you. I was like, oh, don't worry. Oh, I, am, <laughs> no, I am pulling no every string. There, I am calling in every favor. I'm doing everything I possibly can to never see you again, mate. And, uh, and it worked. I, don't, I genuinely, I don't think I saw that PE teacher again. Um, oh, what a wonderful day. Oh. And really, everything else in this Fortnite's Diary Zone is just me playing and finishing Yoshi's Island. I'm all about the SNES at the moment. I've, I've stepped away. There's no mention of Sonic 3D. I don't know if I've finished Sonic 3D or if that's coming up. And I'm kind of disappointed in myself. I mean, probably. It's been two months, right? Yeah, and I never said, I never mentioned it. I tell you exactly the, to the day when I finish Yoshi's Island. I tell you what level I'm on in what other Mario games. Well. I've not moved on from Sonic, obviously, because here we are. <laughs> but is it possible that were it not for my impending internet connection, this might be it for me and Sonic? Mm, that's an interesting yeah. question. You never know. I mean, you're still getting the comic. Still getting but, the comic. You, know, you could have dropped off. Yeah. But really, the only the only other thing to mention that that I, <laughs> I find this <laughs> I find this quite funny. There's a, there's a couple of laughs at the tail end of the diary zone this fortnight. Um, Thursday, because I'm growing up, right, and things are getting weird. Thursday the sixteenth, getting. <laughs> I get my report back from my English teacher, and it says uh, it had me in tears of laughter. You see, wherever the teacher wrote the word points, her handwriting makes it look like it says pants. <laughs> <laughs> Spawning such phrases as David has the intelligence to think independently about issues and pants raised. <laughs> and my favourite, quote, he must concentrate over the coming weeks to expand and develop his pants thoroughly. <laughs> uh, that's good material. <laughs> Out for a Spin Written by Lou Stringer Art by Roberto Corona Corona. Colours by Steve White And letters by Gordon Robson Amy and Techno find a flying spinning top That's fallen down to Mobius From the floating island's marble garden zone 
Techno fixes it up and equips it with a remote control, and Amy takes it out for a test flight, but she winds up being ambushed by some egg robos. They grab her, but she's able to use the remote to crash the top into the robots and destroy them. Do we have a jingle for From the Games? Yeah, it's because <laughs> yeah. Cause it's like, what if Amy got one of those flying spinning tops like from the Marble Garden Zone, like from the games? I love it. Bringing <laughs> This idea of bringing something in from Sonic 3, nice one, Lou, lovely stuff. It does raise a worrying issue of, apparently Sonic's been using these in the Marble Garden Zone. You know the ones, listeners, the ones where you're running along on the little spinning top and it flies, and then they drop when you've finished with them, and... Now I'm imagining them sailing over the edge of the island and dropping onto Mobius. That's very dangerous. Apparently that's what's happened here. It's a good job nobody was in the way. Is this the first Amy and Techno story? I think it, it is. is. Yeah. A quietly sort of understated but momentous event. Yeah. Yeah. I do like their dynamic here. Amy gets to be a bit less of the sensible one and gets to be a bit more hot-headed. Mm. It kind of reminds me of how modern Sonic stuff treats Sonic and Tails, the like brash adventurer and the cautious genius. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and it works well, I think, which is why it's kind of a pity that Techno then drops out of the story after the first couple of pages. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was expecting her to like figure into the resolution somehow or at least show up on the last page just to say hello. Yeah, you're right there. I didn't even notice. I mean, let's be honest, the, the only reason Techno's in the story at all is, is to create the remote, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, because it's like if, if they just wanted to do a story about Amy on a spinning top. Turtle power! She could have just found the top and it could just work. But yeah. they specifically need the remote control for to have her crash it into the egg robos. So that's what Techno's yeah. role in the story is to... Uh... I'm really liking how Corona's drawing Techno. Yes, yes. it's nice. Oh, the drawing, yes. Cor- I mean, I love Corona now. And so is this really... So, Mike, Steve White, is this the same colorist as on the Sonic strip at the start? I know, right? Yeah. Because it's great colouring here and I really like it. And I don't like it at all in the first strip. And I'm not seeing anything in common. Are we sure? This is the same sure, person. Yeah, well, I have no problem believing it. Look at the shines on the egg robos and the pastely bloom, pink and purple backgrounds and oh, everything. I suppose. Yeah. It's just that it's Richard Elson art. We just, yeah. our brains can't process Richard Elson art colored by anyone yeah. other than Richard Elson. Mm. Uh, we've definitely had a few Coronas colored by whites in the past, I think. This does make me think that the very purpley tones of the first strip were intentional for that special zone feel to make it feel a bit more alien. Yeah, it's making well, me wonder. Yeah, I suppose so, because uh, I mean, the, it's all blues and greens. For, well, the, the inside of Techno's lab is purple, and then that Amy's dream sequence of uh, short fuse and tails flying is has that kind of purpley pinkish well it's not purple at all is it it's pink it's good totally pink um uh, yeah yeah it it could be could be onto something with that because otherwise it's very blues greens Mm. Uh, anytime there's action it takes on a sort of uh, pinkish hue yeah yeah and speaking of uh from the games like you were egg robos yes (laughs) egg robos colored a little wrong but i'll allow it yeah yeah always love an egg robo oh they're the best, aren't they? Yeah, and they're all doing egg puns. Yo, yeah. Ju- yeah. Oh, every word out of their mouths is an egg pun. Lou's really going to town with this one. It's brilliant. Execute. Love it. No egg skip. Not like take you for eggs termination. Oh. <laughs> now, here's the little thing that's interesting about this. The other, the one other thing that jumps out and makes me go like from the games mm-hmm. is uh, where Amy says one of the egg robos is using its cloaking device to make itself invisible. Yeah. That means it could, and, and so it's able to grab her. No, egg robots don't have cloaking devices. That's not a thing. No. But do you remember not so very long ago uh-huh. when we had a two-part story from Lou about 
cloaking technology, a big invisible robot, with a footnote that said oh, Robotnik yeah. had experimented with using cloaking technology at the end of so Sonic, Sonic 3. 3 or, well, I suppose it would have been Sonic and Knuckles. Oh, well, Sonic, whatever it was, yeah. Yes! I think that must have been what that refers to, and it's a misinterpretation of the way the egg robots zip out of the background and come down at you in the Sky Sanctuary Zone. Oh, huh. Well, how do you misinterpret that to be that? I don't know. But it, it's like the egg robots have appeared from nowhere when they zip, they zip in suddenly in the game. I think that's what oh. it must be. Huh. But it isn't. <laughs> I mean, yeah. But uh, I think that has to be it. Because, like, w- w- that it has a cloaking device. And, yeah, it's got to be, right? Yeah. The, 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 yeah. The, it must have been Stringer must have just misinterpreted something from the games. Yeah. Like from the games. Huh. I love the panel of the laser blast shooting through Amy's quills. That's a yeah. nice one. Oh, where's that? A laser blast like that could ruin my quiff, she says. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it just Oh, it just sneaks in through and past the quiff, yeah. Yeah, in between the quills at the back, but sandwiched between that and the quiff at the mm. front. Yeah. The way that the laser reflects in her eyes is a bit weird, though, because it, it makes them darker, which doesn't seem like that should be I see what, you mean. what happens, but they're already white, so... <laughs> you have to do something, yeah. 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 I suppose I interpreted the white on the left as the highlight of the laser. Oh, yeah, maybe. And the, the rest of it is the shadow side. Yeah, that makes sense. It follows the line along the, the head, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, I love the way this is drawn. Yeah. I think it's just really cool. No escaping execution. Do you ever tire of these eggy puns? <laughs> no, we find it exhilarating. <laughs> <laughs> well, I find it exhausting. Warning, extreme danger. <laughs> that's a lot of egg, egg puns. Like you got to work for this stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's the thing. Lou's a professional. He can keep going all day. <laughs> I wonder if it was like, well, we can't use the, oh, they're controlled directly by Robotnik gimmick for this story. Hmm. So let's make up for it by just having them act like Robotnik did in the first few issues. I wonder if it's that or if Lou has just seen, well, there's robots called Egg Robots. Eggs. Why don't I just, <laughs> yes. just, yeah, just have it, they put Egg in the name? Yeah. That's the other option. <laughs> a really cool panel of them blowing up when the thing, so Amy beeps her remote on her wrist and the thing comes careening towards them and blows up all the Grobos. And it's a really cool picture. Now that's what I call an explosion. Hey, and there's a really cool picture of the explosion. Yeah. Uh, it, it, Corona's able to take these these circle people and do perspective with them in a way that works. <laughs> and then Amy turns it around and backs it up. And uh, <laughs> that's the end of the strip. <laughs> Just does one of a, a patented loose stringer pun. I suppose out of all of us freedom fighters, one of us should keep our feet on the ground. <laughs> I appreciate the use of lowercase for the bit where she goes, oh, well. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why it is, but I like when strips do that. Do you remember uh, the one other big example of it in SDC I remember is the Mechanic story, uh-huh. where Sonic's leaning against the wreckage of Mechanic at the end, talking about how cool he is, and Sharp Fuse just pops in from the side and goes, him in lowercase. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, this is just a fun one. I just like this one. Yeah, yeah. it's a good bit of biz. It's a nice start for Amy and Techno. Amy and Techno together for the first time. Bunch of stuff from the games, seeming to solve an old puzzle from a strip from before. Yeah. Yeah. What more can you ask for? Great. Next issue. Oh. Next issue, Teals takes top flight. Okay. So, mm, uh, well, we'll see, I guess. Uh, mm. uh, I feel like my break from Tails <laughs> hasn't been long enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, suppose because we yeah haven't even drawn attention to the fact, but obviously no decapitate this issue. It's an Amy strip oh, instead of decapitate. Yes. Now decapitate's not gone. No, it's just gone for an issue or two. It'll be back again yeah. soon enough. It's very much a regular now, as I recall. Yeah. But um, more decap, less tales. I think he said preempting next issue's review. And over to page, we get the last big impact of the missing pages that we must now live with yeah. where we're given for the first time ever mm-hmm. a one page cube zone and doesn't it look sad not a, not a screenshot anywhere on the page not a screenshot inside just squashing the launch space zone Ooh. bosses into two columns of text with the end and dave do you know why the, the the content of this thing it's not worth talking about it's no. the same thing as before no. it's just how to beat the bosses but do you know why dave why what why it's so sad This is the last Q-Zone. Oh. There it is. That's the dying embers. Not with a bang, but with a whimper. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been, you know, we very much felt that encroaching mm. upon it the last little while with the Sonic revisit. I mean, I haven't triple, super, quadruple checked, but as far as I can see from all my consulting of online sources, yes, this is, because I haven't looked through manually every single issue, yeah. to be sure, but yes, it is the last Q-Zone. The big casualty of the page cut is, yeah. is the Q-Zone. You know, it joins the new zone in STC heaven. And... Let, hmm. We're only about halfway through STC. Yeah. And it is strange. It's a, it, we're in a very strange feeling here now, the start of 97, knowing we still have fully half the comic left to go, but it's got fewer pages in it. Yeah. It's floppy in our hands now. <laughs> As we get older. <laughs> David. <laughs> Two of the three main, you know, computer games features that were in it back at the start yeah. are gone now. And it's the feeling of a death by a thousand cuts. Yeah. Or three big cuts. It's, it's, you know, Joe asked the question earlier on, Mm. you know, would I have stopped Mm. buying the comic at this point in my children? And I don't know, but it does feel different now. It's not the same magazine as it was whenever we started. And it's this year, this issue, 1997, is when that change became most apparent. All through last year, I'd said it was, it's still the same, Mm -hmm. you know? But there's just something about the combination about the loss of one more feature and Mm. the fact that the magazine now legitimately is different in your hand. Mm, Yeah. It's strange for us to be lamenting the point where it becomes more of a comic and less of a not comic. Right. But we are lamenting that. But Mm. yeah, it's true. It is. And and, and yet there is still half of it to go. So it's really going to be a weird time, honestly. I really have to not let this become maudlin and negatively impact my thoughts on the comic. And, And look at where we're sitting here at the halfway point. Without the first, the first episode of Amy and Techno, a thing that most people think of as a main thing as a from big our STC comic. thing, yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. But you know, we should properly eulogize the Q zone yeah. as it departs now as well. Yeah. Because I feel like, as a podcast, the most mileage we've got out of the Q zone is when it screwed up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we got to make fun of it yes. for doing so, and that's all well and good. Mm-hmm. But now that it's gone. 
It's very difficult to explain today, here and now, this sort of thing, what it, what it was like and what, a, you know, you always check the Q-Zone to make sure there weren't any cheats for uh, Cheats, that's for the thing. Games. Yeah, because, so the tips page, the cheats page is a thing not just from STC that we'd oh God, been interested no. in all, going all the way back. For me, it started on yeah. the ZX Spectrum and your Sinclair and things like that. And it's just a mainstay of those days. And then as we see it, die and drift away into obscurity here that kind of coincides with when that happened in the world because we're about to all go online game faqs will start yeah cheats and tips start to become something that you get from the internet well tips are cheats just stop being a thing yeah cheats will still be a thing for a good while yeah you still got cheats on playstation games okay good remember the, the tomb raider code for skipping a level oh good we had to get lara to sidestep sidestep turn around turn around huh? three times step back somersault and that uh, would skip the level oh wow for my memories growing up whenever there were cheats it tended to be there was a dedicated place to put in codes mm. and rather than yeah. like a completely hidden feature where you do the Konami code or whatever on the title screen yeah like um, when you've got a game that's got a little chat box for if you can play it online you can put something in there and it'll unlock ammo or whatever yeah but they were a huge part of, I don't want to use this phrase, but I'm afraid I'm going to have to use it, video game culture, <laughs> <laughs> you know, in the yeah. 90s. Uh, magazines would have books of cheats could yeah. come free with magazines. You could buy yeah. those in the shops sometimes. Yeah, you could just buy books just of cheats. Just little compendiums of cheats. Yeah. When you would have, I don't know, half a dozen games tops out of all the out of that you would yeah. get. There was a whole book and you'd almost yeah. no use for it. Yeah, absolutely top. You'd absolutely look at it in the shop. You, that's the thing. You'd never, you'd never buy it. That's if if you got one for Christmas, you'd be excited about it, but you wouldn't buy it, would you? No, well, you didn't have any money back then. Well, (laughs) quite. Um, so you waited for them to show up in STC, and you waited for them to show up in whatever other magazines you happen to read, and. hmm. And for all the stick we've given the Q Zone for its screw ups, its weirdly condensed full walkthroughs of games or it's stretching to fill pages in particular in living memory it was a huge important part of the identity yeah. of this comic up until now and for yeah. that you know i i, I salute it play danny boy oh, yeah. get the bagpipes out uh, you know it it's loss is the comics loss sort of marks a shift away from being a video game comic a video yeah. game magazine to yeah. a magazine about sonic characters and it coincides mm. with the end of all of that business you know we've got decap still but that's it it's part of the furniture it's all sonic it's all comics and we should be more happy about that than we are because we want it a comic i feel but... like this podcast specifically doing yeah. this show yeah. has instilled in us a fresh love for yeah. review zone new zone q zone yeah. and any other features that ever happen to pop up you know all the other zones. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to just be doing a retrospective podcast about some comics yeah you know those are those are those are for losers <laughs> yeah everybody does those you know this has always been a podcast viewing the comic as a cultural artifact yeah and with the loss of each of these little things that feeling is chipped away at more and more yeah. it's why we can still be grateful will they we do still have ads hopefully there'll be some more than the diary zone to work with we will still have letters and pictures and the occasional review i don't know how much longer the review zone goes on but i think it's got a bit of life in it for a while you know okay good because when that goes that'll be the last screenshot we see in stc and i'm not gonna be happy about that yeah 
I mean, I don't imagine... It's probably not this year, right? I don't know. Could be. Could be this year. Don't know. Don't know. To keep an eye out for it. Have we seen our last 16-bit screenshot in Sonic the Comic? Oof. Possibly. <laughs> Have we picked up our child for the last time and not known it? <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. I don't no. know what there's left to review. No. But it does give you pause. And uh, it did just strike me at how a, a genuinely sad moment it is. When I realised how the Q-Zone has always been the feature we've skipped past, generally speaking, you know, gl glanced past and then moved on from. Because there's no properly expressing issue on issue on a podcast looking back the importance of what this page felt like back then when the games were new. Like, like remember whenever I wanted to try out that uh, Rocket Knight cheat mm. that was printed that was a load of all balls yeah. just before coming on the podcast and I sat down on a Saturday morning with my Mega Drive <laughs> Mini and my STC yeah. laid out next to me to like try the cheat codes and yeah, I mean that's the own, that's that's the magic of of that time period, that the Q zone, you know. There's not even a credit on this one. I don't know if it's. I suppose that there's probably no credit on it because it is just a straight reprint, you know. Reprint. So I guess it is David Gibbon to Tony Takushi to David Gibbon to Chris Jones and anyone else who's ever done it before. We salute your efforts. Yes. And we bid you well, even if uh, even if you were to look back over the last couple of episodes, it wouldn't necessarily always sound like we did. <laughs> Probably the majority of the episodes. Rip to a real one. Play some sad music there on the podcast day after I throw this segment. <laughs> I will. Farewell, Capitan. It's time for me to go. Sonic's World. The Monster Wakes, Part Two, written by Lou Stringer, art by Roberto Corona. Colours by Andy Pritchett and letters by Tom Frame. Short Fuse leads Tails and Johnny in attacking the Angry Dragon, but they can't even scratch its tough hide. The furious Cybernick is about to turn his blaster to full power, but is stopped by Amy, who points out the dragon hasn't done anything wrong and should be allowed to leave in peace. Tails apologises to the beast as it departs, while Amy worries about the possibility that Short Fuse's short temper could cause more trouble for the Freedom Fighters in the future. So, I was really excited to guest on a Short Fuse episode because I could really go to town on him. I can talk about how much I hate him, how to talk about how he's boring and <laughs> bland. He's not a patch on other bad Nick-turned-good characters like Bunny Rabbit and Gamma from Sonic Adventure. There will be no holding back my vicious, spiteful opinions. But I actually quite like this one. Yeah, I was going to say, but you wind up one where they actually did something with him. Yeah, that's a good one, this, yeah. Yeah. This is probably the best Short Fuse as a personality has been used yes. since his origin since story. Since the origin story, absolutely. Yeah, he's actually showing off character traits that they should have been doing with him from the start. He's yeah, hot he's tempered, being an he's aggressive, he's not inclined to let go of a grudge. And I, I did look back at the previous issue, and yeah. um, Short Fuse was specifically like, how can you expect me to forget about Robotnik when he bloody blah Cybernik? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm wondering if that was intended to form a parallel with how here he refuses to forget about the dragon. Like, specifically, oh. he holds on to grudges against people who have wronged him. Yeah, I think so. As it's two parts of one story. If it had been an yeah. earlier story and not specifically the previous chapter of this one, I'd have said me. But yeah, now definitely. it feels like, yeah, definite setup. Just the idea that Short Fuse 
Yeah, he, he, he's a, an angry, grudge-holding sod, actually. Yeah. <laughs> and because it, it starts on the first page here where, you know, he and Tails try and distract it while he tries to surprise attack, he says, and Tails is like, distract it? How? You've been in the hero game longer than I have. Think for yourself! And Tails is like, something was never that bossy. I want to know, Amy specifically says, we can't all fly like you and Tails can. Lou's evidently forgotten that he established in Techno's first story that she could fly. Yes, well, I noticed that in the, the previous strip as well, when Amy was saying, like, oh, I want to be like those flying characters, and she doesn't include uh, Techno yeah. in the illustration, even though she's standing right there. Oh, I wonder if Techno has lost her flying yeah. ability going forward then. Yeah, she can only fly backwards. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we do... She flew alongside Short Fuse to go to plant that bomb with the little fist stone. But you yeah. remember, she flew just Superman. Yeah. She just supermaned it. She yeah. just stuck her arms out. Yeah, it wasn't like a bird flying. And I wonder if Stringer maybe consciously chose to take that power back from her because of her character design. Because it was a bit silly. It was a bit silly, yeah. 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 I know that in future issues she uses like a flying scooter, but I can't remember if that's Does like she? only when she's carrying passengers. I wonder why on earth they didn't give this canary wings. Well, I think it's just, uh, to be honest, I think it's, Ooh, I was going to say it's Carl Flint's fault because he mm. designed through the strip. That doesn't mean he designed the character, though, because we know Lou designed um, Short Fuse. I will say it's kind of prescient because yeah. when Sonic games do get bird characters in the Babylon Rogues, they don't have wings. They have arms. Oh, the that's only... true, actually. Yeah, they, they, they fly around on hoverboards. Yeah. The only character, I think, who has wings and arms is Rouge, Rouge. the Bat, and she's yeah, an outlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, it'd be really weird, wouldn't it, if Sonic Birds had birds' wings coming yeah. out their backs and arms? Ooh, yeah, no. yeah. I guess. I don't know. Wait, why is it okay for Rouge? Why does it work for Rouge? Huh, that's weird. It's weird that they don't as well, though, so both is weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess because she's like, she's the bad girl. She's got a bit of a succubus yeah. devil thing. I guess, so. yeah, the character design makes it work, I guess. Yeah, yeah you're definitely right there. Huh. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. I really that thought is about interesting, it. yeah. God, I'll have to keep an eye out now just in case Techno ever flies again. Well, it's just that at any time they could go like, you know, oh, they've been in her jumper and today she's got her wings out. (laughs) The other thing about this first page is it does say the Emerald Zone. Oh dear, does it? (laughs) Oh, it does. The Emerald Zone. Oh, yeah. And it uh, it does a little uh, short fuse the cybernic and the freedom fighters asterisk and then in the footnote box Johnny Tails and Amy plus Techno the Canary so they're even including Techno in there mm. yeah sort of unofficial inductee into the freedom fighters at this point I don't know if she gets a proper formal joining sort of the way short fuse was invited to join or if she just sort of gets absorbed into the group short fuse is being a massive wazzock to Tails. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was a saying before, yeah, think for yourself. And I didn't immediately know what was happening there. You know, I didn't realize I was necessarily seeing Shorty's short-tempered personality coming across. Or if it was in isolation, you don't know, is it a commentary on Tails or is it a commentary on Shorty, you know? Yeah. Mm. But it's definitely about Shorty. <laughs> Poor old Tails. There always has to be the hot-headed one that rips the piss out of Tails, doesn't it? <laughs> you get rid of Sonic's five minutes, Sonic's gone, and he gets this abuse. Well, I mean, to be fair, if you don't have someone ripping the piss out of him, you get the tail strips. <laughs> Ooh, very good point. Yeah. <laughs> Short Fuse zaps the dragon as it tries to bite Tails, and he says, Roast Fox is off the menu! And the dragon breathes fire on him and says, I'll have Tin Squirrel instead! Yes. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. And then the dragon just decides to take off, basically. Short Fuse says, I'm taking that dragon out. No, thanks for the offer, Tiny, but I decline. <sighs> when it takes off. Little callback to Mechanic as well, where uh, Short Fuse takes a blast of flame breath and wonders how come every time I meet a rampaging monster I get scorched. See issue 57. Mm-hmm. Quite 
a callback. 57, yeah. nearly 40 whole issues. Yeah, wow. Two full years, nearly. Yeah, it's interesting that they're expecting us to have issue 57, which we did. Correctly. And <laughs> and they know as well. They haven't forgotten. Because I always... Because of the silly business that we get later with an Amy origin story that seems not to know about the continuity, mm. I always think that that's, that's where STC is, that they don't all know what they've written before. But at this point, they still do. <laughs> well, remember, it was a loose strip. Hmm. You know, and that's immediately followed by a panel of Johnny noting that he has a new staff. Yeah, love yeah. that. After it was broken just a couple of issues ago, you know. So yes, because we Stringer were Stringer is all about the continuity. We did see him get it broken, and we wondered whether we'd ever hear about it again, and we assumed we wouldn't. I'm so glad we did. Yeah, I forgot to note in the initial strip, but Tails does specifically note that Short Fuse has joined them. Ah, oh yes, in the Sonic strip, yes. which I think was a nice way of tying the backup strips back into the lead. Yeah, it's it's part of that whole thing that we talked about before about how Sonic's world feels like it means something now. Yeah, it's not just some random other Sonic adventure. It is an adventure that is happening in parallel yeah. with the strip that's happening up at the front of the comic. The start and the end of the comic are, the, you know, the alpha and the omega of a world mm. that the other strips are contained within. You know. Yeah, I like the tin squirrel comment. <laughs> yeah that was a good one but yeah so Shortfuse tries to full plower blast the dragon which I presume actually would hurt it but then Amy grabs his arm yes. and pulls it down and, and he, he shoots, shoots the, the ground, ground yeah. and blows them both Shoom. backwards up into the air yeah, yeah that's nice like nice. that the dragon hasn't done anything wrong we should let it leave in peace I'll leave it in pieces Wee. says Shortfuse yeah. ooh his black suit Shortfuse he's got the symbiote on he's a bad <laughs> superhero now like he always should have been frankly <laughs> yeah yeah where has this been this is genuinely good and then then Tails takes off after the dragon to just say sorry you know it's yeah. like oh yeah Yimmy's got a point here I think we should apologise sorry we woke you up well it's a bit late for apologies you woke me from my hibernation a thousand years too early now I must roam this planet alone until other dragons awake Will you still be around in a thousand years? Are you kidding? I'll only be a teenager in dragon years by that time. Wow. He's a baby. Hey, do you think you could help us fight Dr. Robotnik in the meantime? Oh, he's a nasty guy. Don't hassle me when I've only just got up. I'll <laughs> let you know in a few years, okay? <laughs> I had a real good laugh at that yeah. one, yeah. Don't hassle me when I've only just got up. That's The only trouble here is that Lou's brought in... Two really cool ideas that would have been good and then closed the door on them. Amy being able to fly on a spinny thing from the Marble Garden Zone and them having a dragon. And uh, <laughs> both of them. That's a bit game-breaking, don't you think? Little bit, but it would have been cool, though. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit ABC Season 2. Well, it is a bit, yeah. They call the dragon Gabbana. What? <laughs> Then we end with the old uh, dark and shadowy panel of Short Fuse's yeah. face as everyone looks on in the background, all in silhouette except for their white eyes. Great stuff. I've got a feeling his short temper could follow up a mission and land us in big trouble. The end, yes. but keep reading STC to see if Amy's fears come true. And I feel like they will, you know. This doesn't feel like some one-off thing. I think Stringer's no. got something cooking here. I hope so. because I, Oh, I'd they've... be so annoyed if there wasn't anything. Yeah, yeah, but they've toyed with this before, and it didn't come to anything until now. And hopefully it is, because we like it so much, and it's such a great... To have this threat friend yeah. that they're teamed up with, and they're friends with personally, but at any minute... You never know what trouble he could cause. Mm. That, that's really interesting. Well, I don't know that you say it's... When you say it's been 
threatened before, what are you referring to? Just the fact that this was the original premise of him, that he oh, was okay. like... Oh, well, okay, right, okay. But I mean, I feel like basically what happened there was, it was like a justification for his origin, and then Stringer just sort of forgot about that aspect of the character mm. until now when he needs something. You know, you need a little character conflict. What's yeah. what's his place on the team, you know? A little character conflict. And he's uh, revived it belatedly, I will say. But yeah, no, I'm super into this. Yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> Very exciting. And all propped up with some absolutely great art and Ooh. some great colouring from Andy Pritchett. It looks so good. Oh, the Corona Pritchett team. Yeah. The, yeah. They are the winners. Specifically, the Corona Pritchett team. They yeah. are like... Top tier. The hard number three behind Elson and Dobbin at this point. Yeah, yeah the Pritchett colours just bring out the best in Corona's lines. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I wonder what he coloured it with. Paint, do you think? Just look at the grass the on grass. page four. The yeah. Oh, yeah. That has a tremendous look of felt pens, don't you think, sometimes? The scribbly grass. And on yeah. the final page again. Yeah. Yeah, it's got that. I mean, that's pens. The whole thing can't be pens, though, so it's much, probably mixed medium, you know. What do you, what do you call yeah. those? The whole thing could be pens. If you look at the... Um, yeah, look at the shadows on the clouds. Well, the whole sky, the blue of the sky, it's unbroken. It's not scribbly, but the kind of pen I'm thinking of where you can blend them a bit and they're quite watery. They do actually run like this. It could all be pens. It could be. I think he could have painted this guy. I think he could have watercolored this guy. That, well, that's the thing. That's the other option that it could be, but it's great. But it's lovely anyway. Whatever it is, it's lovely. Yeah, I hope. Absolutely. Hope these two will continue to work together because uh, mm. I felt, it felt like a while there where Corona was just sort of one of the backup artists. Yeah. We've been playing that little jingle for a long time now. Yeah. But... It's become sincere with time. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> he is the Amian techno artist, really, isn't he? That's what he's yeah. largely remembered for doing. And it's like he's just sort of slowly crept up the ranks from being the guy who did that not great tale story that one mm. time to being like the number three guy. The one who drew a very ugly Robotnik. Yeah, do you remember the Robotnik? Yeah, it's amazing. It's the same artist. I especially like the last panel with the silhouettes. It like oh, it's lovely. Yeah, it does convey the strength of the character design and the silhouettes here. Mm. That's all the freedom fighters are standing in the background, and they're all silhouettes except for their eyes. As Short Fuse stands in the foreground, not looking at them, looking away, looking down, his own face cast in shadow. Having finally become an interesting character. <laughs> I still like Bunny Rabbit better though. Oh, we'll allow it. <laughs> Next issue, Mock the Duck. Walk a f***ing oh. walk We'll see what happens there, I guess. I don't feel like it'll be the payoff to whatever's been set up here somehow. <laughs> and then the last great format change, Speedlines. No longer on the third to last page of the comic, you know, the last page before you hit the cover, Speedlines is now printed on the inside back cover itself. Where the next issue page previously was, now Speedlines is. And this issue only has two letters, but I think that's just because one of the pictures is large. I don't think it's like, you know, they've stolen another letter from us or anything. I think it's just because there's a large picture of this issue. Well, true, but it was their decision to make it large. Well, well yes. That's what I mean, though. It was a conscious decision. It's not that they've decided they're only going to do two letters. It's that uh, they've got yeah. a big picture and they've sacrificed a letter for it. Well, the first letter is Change Mail. Dear Megadroid, I love STC's front covers, but please tell us, boomers, why you change from yellow to red to purple, etc. And I believe that they're referring to the fact that the letters are answered 
by Megadroid, not just in voice, but with a little picture of his head. Mm. And he's got different coloured sunglasses on every time. Which match the colour of the title bar on the letter. Actually, I don't care what colour you are. You're still the best! After Sonic, Amy, Tails, Knuckles, Knack, the Badniks, and old fat Eggbelly himself. And that is from Christopher Burtonshaw of Crew Cheshire, Game Gear owner and Sega Mega Hogtag winner. Christopher Burtonshaw, no regard for the chaotics whatsoever, apparently. Knack yeah, <laughs> feels like an, an odd call out there. Yeah, yeah doesn't I it? I guess he really yeah. just liked Knack. Must just like Knack. Um, what a regular Jimmy Tarbuck you are, Chris, says Megadroid. Do we do we know what that means? I'm not sure. I was hoping you would. It seemed like the sort of reference you'd understand. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Nope. Absolutely no idea. No idea. Tarbuck fans, let us know. Yeah, if you know. Would you prefer me, says Megadroid, to wear the same thing all the time and join the Dolesville Humes around here? Not on your Nelly. And who is she, anyway? Goodness gracious. Great balls of fire. This one, I feel as if you've told me about this one, Chris. Have you not referred to this letter at some point in the past? Perhaps on pod. It's very familiar to me. No, no, I can't think of any reason. I I had no memory of this letter, no. Somebody has. It must have been a guest. The thing about, because someone was telling me, or us, about this comment of like how, well, would you prefer I wear the same thing all the time about the colour changing? Unless this is an issue that's been raised in in a previous letter about the previous Megadroid incarnation. You never know. Yes, this would appear to be what I was thinking of. It's a letter in number 51 from Richard Harris, not friend of the show Richard Harris, who said, Dear Megadroid, I've noticed in the Speedline section you are normally yellow and black, but when you answer Boomer's questions you change colour. Why is this? And Megadroid replied, Give me a break, Rich. What would you feel like, not to mention smell like, if you wore the same outfit day in, day out? That's obviously what I'm thinking of, isn't it? The other letter is Donal's Ditty, because it comes in from Donal O'Mahony from Ross Carberry in County Cork in the Republic of Ireland, and he's written a little poem. Mm. Sonic, Amy, and Johnny are cool. Dr. Robotnik thinks he should rule. Vector's so brainy, Grimer is bad. Both are whizzes on computer joypads. Tails is fast, Charmy annoys, Robotnik bullies and calls in the boys. Knuckles (laughs) by nature, Knuckles by name. That's a good bit. When something's gone wrong, he gets the blame. That's not a good bit. But my favourite of all the STC crew was David Gibbon for giving us clues. (laughs) (laughs) And that feels consciously chosen almost, doesn't it, for the final cue zone? Even though they haven't flagged up that that's what it is in any way. This kid can't have possibly known. That's good, that poem. It scans properly and everything. Uh, yeah, there have been some very bad ones over the years. That's yes. it. And there's, there's only that one line where it's like, oh, he gets the blame that's just because it rhymes with name. The rest of it, it's all good. Pretty low bar to clear, though. <laughs> <laughs> Megadroid's response, not nearly as eloquent. No. Oh, what a lovely rhyme. Popped in cork to share with thine. Oh, well, that's no. nonsense. That's not even no. sense. Rubbish. That's not how... Popped like a cork's pop. Yeah. Popped like a cork, like the county cork word. Because of the from. county cork. But popped in cork... To... That's not what thine means. We don't say that. To share with yeah, thine. It, that's not that. Yeah, that's, that it doesn't know. No! no! To share with yours. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, well. Well, that's as it should be. Of course the, the boomer should be the better poet than Megadroid. That's fine. <laughs> well done, Donald. 
We've got a couple of drawings from the readers this issue. We've got one from uh, Thomas Ludlow of Ealing in London, Sega Mega Hogtag winner, who um, has drawn... So, so what Thomas has drawn is just Sonic running along with a furious little face on, and he's really tearing it up. There's fire coming out of the back of his feet, and arguably the front of his feet. There's a huge <laughs> trail of smoke and flames going behind him. He's going really, really fast, and it's pulling a tree down, and it's well drawn. And it's drawn in pen. Yeah. And it's been worked on very hard. The shine is good. There's a lot of hard work. Proportions are a bit off, but it's lovingly rendered. It, mm. Yes. Nonsense caption from Megadroid here. Who's captioned it? Sonic's family tree. Because it's a tree. Because there's a like tree. Like a tree's tree. <laughs> tree. But there isn't a family. There's nothing at all to make it a family tree. He's knocking a tree down, and they've thought of a phrase. Including the word in tree. Mm-hmm. Yep. Boo. Uh, no, the other picture here, the caption... Sorry, wait, like wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. I just want to point this out. Sure. He's even drawn a bit of tree faintly seen through the fire. That's good art. Well done, Thomas oh, yeah. Ludlow. Well done. Lovely. That needed comments because he needs credit for yeah, that. Yeah. Carry on. Now, the other picture we've got here, the caption feels like it's just oh. ripping the piss. Yeah. Frankly. <laughs> yep. So the picture is Sonic... Uh, with some rather long and bandy arms on him. Yeah, it's almost like you would draw, you know, like you would draw a picture of a robot head on when you were a kid, with one yeah. arm and L shape pointing up, one arm, one an L shape pointing down. Yeah, standing in front of the double door entrance to a pub. Yep, and there's a sign just hanging off to the left there that says "Free, free, free" and a big beer glass. <laughs> yeah, so Sonic's straight in for that. From an anonymous artist. Yes, no name or address, nothing to credit at all. Please send in name and address. And the caption they've attached to it says, Warning, large glasses can seriously stretch your arms. And it's obviously drawn by a very young child. I know! It's not very good, but... No, No, but... Hell no. Why would you print it just with a caption making fun of it? Yeah, the STC's been very good about not doing that. You know, they've printed some awful rot in the pages of this comic. I'd be very happy if the style was to always lightly rip the piss. That would be fine. That would be nice. I'd enjoy that. I wouldn't enjoy that because I would think of the sad children. Yeah. Unless they were sending the images in with the understanding that that was what was going to happen. that's the thing. You would understand because that would always be the tone. But here... It's only this child (laughs) that's sad. This little baby is sad. They tried their best. But you do wonder what the thought process was at the same time. They're not (laughs) so young, you know. Also, why is such a young child? Yeah, what... why are they keyed into the idea that Sonic's going to the pub for guys drink? like to go for free pints? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Maybe they're somebody's little sibling. Yeah. Someone who's been dragged along. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, does it... Yes. Does it paint a sad story or a normal story? You know, because you could say, oh, is that someone who's, who's, whose dad's always off down the pub? And that's all he cares about. And, but it put like that, it sounds like a sad story. But we're of the generation where that is what our dads did, and it wasn't sad. It was fine. <laughs> you know, I just noticed the little Sonic on the uh, email box. That's the Sonic on the cover. Oh, yes, yeah, so it is. Oh, it is so the one on the spinner. definitely confirm... Yeah, that that is the uh, clip art. Yep. Anything in our mailbag, Dave, this week? Yes, we have. It's your letters. It's your letters. It's your letters. It's your letters. 
Here's one we received recently from Sarah, who says, Hey, humors. Like a Hume who thinks they're in charge. That's also a boomer. Ah, humors. Like a joke's humor, she says. <laughs> in episode 91, <laughs> you wondered if how, anyone would like... Why is this where we are with this shit now? I don't... <laughs> In episode 91, you wondered if anyone would like Sonic 3D. Divorced from the context of being a child who had it as the one game they owned for the next however many months in 1996. Mm. Well, as someone whose first full experience with the game was picking the Saturn version of it up along with some other stuff while cruising garage sales in 2004 or 5, I can tell you yes. I feel like the key is really in the name. Flicky's Island. Obviously, it's not the next new big Sonic game you'd expect it to have been coming out in 1996, but looking back at it as a revival of and crossover with the earlier game Flicky is actually really charming. The having to hunt around and bop badniks to gather up all the little birds is not just padding on the way to the end of the level. That was what you did in Flicky, and taken in that context as a kind of... never thought of it like that. I did, I think of it... uh, Not at the time, obviously, I didn't know about Flicky, but when I found out about Flicky, yeah... um, Taken in that context as a kind of experimental isometric crossover between Sega classics while they waited for Extreme or whatever was meant to be the actual next big thing coming up, I really think it's a proper fun and charming game. And that is from Sarah J, 10 times Master System owner. Those early 2000s garage sales got crazy before everyone started selling things for eBay prices. Why and would you buy 10 Master Systems? Hog tag envy. Well, because Sarah foresaw the pound coins she can gather up by selling them at <laughs> eBay prices later, I, I guess. guess. so. <laughs> Probably like when Dave bought the second copy of that one with the stickers on. Yes, they are. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, there's another one here that is titled Cool Yule uh, Boomers. Hey lads, just wanted to write to say how much I absolutely love your show. I've been listening since Chris put up a video about it on his YouTube channel. I loved the character of Sonic as a kid, but I didn't play a lot of the games, and I think I'd only read one issue of the comic. But I've absolutely fallen in love with your show. I love the deep dives into the pop culture of the time, and your own experience at the time the comic was originally published. And of course you've introduced me, or reintroduced me, to a very cool comic. Sending you all the best hope. Santa brings you all pastels, and you can say you have them, and that here they are right now. Yours, <laughs> Michael Muto. Thank you, Michael. Thanks, Michael. That's what you, you know, you, why don't they do, like, tubs of pastels at Christmas? Uh, in a full size, it's just a big tub of loose pastels. Oh, uh, and in the tubs, they'd come in the different shapes, and like, like they did in, uh, what... What was it that came in different shapes in? Uh, oh, or was that just in the boxes? Boxes, I would have said, yes. Yeah, the little boxes that you get at the cinema, those boxes where they're actually the shape of a... Of the piece of fruit in question, yeah. Yeah. No, wait, that was fruit gums. Fruit, fruit pastels gums, yeah, came in. I think in... pastels did it somewhere. Though. Pastels came in at diamonds and longs and circles and stuff, didn't they? Mm, I, th- they... I want to say there was definitely a point in time when that was fruit pastels gums. were fruit shaped. Wine gums have always been weird shapes yeah well unless you got them in a tube like i used to and then sure they were... yeah oh no well but yeah i'm more used to seeing wine gums in crowns and diamonds mm. and oblongs mm. and that yeah me too now shame i like them round oh i think of them as shaped honestly mm. anyway <laughs> anyway the next and last letter involves a prop let me go and Ooh, find prop where we've put it just a moment oh yeah I don't know what this is. I haven't been briefed. I'm waiting with bated breath. A prop on that he could send a physical letter or something. We have a letter here from Daniel Ratcliffe. Hey, the man himself. Yes, and it's a physical letter. Ooh. And it reads, Dear STCTP, 
When I first found your podcast a year and a half ago, it not only helped me to rediscover how much I loved reading STC as a kid, but it also reignited my love for comics in general. Ooh. Lovely stuff. Excellent. So to thank you for all the hours of entertainment, please find Enclosed, oh. a project I've been working on for the past year. I will now fetch it. Look at this. And I can't envelope. Oh. Good God. <gasps> Look at this. What we've got here, folks, are print bound. Now, I knew Daniel had been working on figuring out what the best way to create trade paperbacks of yeah. Sonic the Comic was. Yeah. And he's only gone and blummin' done it, lads. He's print physical bound yeah. books. Yep. Yeah. This is a. Are there page numbers? 253 plus all of the extra pages that don't have page numbers on. Page. Trade book done to resemble the. I think is this the design of the 2000 the, AD uh, collection? 2000 AD uh, collections, yes. The yeah. Dread case files and so on, yes. And this is the reason. So we've known for a while that Dan's been doing this thing where he's been like remastering, upscaling the artwork um, and posting these. And I just thought it was something he was interested in doing. And mm. they they look good, but I was like, well, they, there's some of the some texture is is perhaps lost there. Now that I see what it's for. No, there isn't. The, it looks incredible. The, the, it looks properly remastered. It really does. Like, I don't want to bend it too much because there aren't many copies yeah, yeah, yeah. of this anywhere in the world. You may not be able to see the quality of it, but it it just looks fantastic. It looks like a proper trade book because the thing is, they're not doing it. Yeah. We want it. <laughs> uh, and so this is a prototype to hold in my hands. There aren't many of these anywhere in the world. As I understand it, there are three others which he's made as gifts for the guys who've actually made the material. Because he's, he's had the lists for these and mocked up covers for these yeah. online for a long time now. Right. I had no idea he was talking about producing actual physical copies of them in any capacity. Well, I'll tell you what he has done. He's done what we suggested, yes, which so is he starts, starts with, with Sonic's, Sonic's world. world. Perfect, beautiful, brilliant. The intro to the whole thing. It's it's fantastic. The, this is just really, really great, and I wish you could all have this in your hands. Nobody has produced this comic in, like, 26 years. But, you know, we can't just go around mass-producing these and selling them, because then sure. it becomes problematic. So, let me carry on with the letter. It says... This book is my vision of what an official graphic novel re-release of Sonic the Comic could look like. All the Sonic stories from the first 31 issues of STC have been arranged in reading order, and every page of artwork has been cleaned up and reproduced at print quality. Now, if it was up to me, of course, it'd be from page one to page last adverts, Sega superstars and everything. <laughs> That's the one thing, you know, as far as this podcast goes, it's the one thing. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But this, I suspect, is actually the way probably the majority of people are going to want this book to be laid out. And Dan's done an yes, absolutely bang-up yes. job. And he's done he's done it right, let's be <laughs> clear here, yes. I cannot stress enough how good this looks. Wait till you see this in print. Like, next time I get... Oh, we'll meet in March, won't we, Chris? So you can see it then. Yes. It yes. is gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> wow. If I hadn't already just read all of these, you know what I mean? I would be cover You'd to cover and read them again. straight you know, it away. Been and I still three might. years since you read them. That's the too. thing. I still think I probably might, because this is amazing. This is what should have come out, I don't know, in t 2005 or 2012 or something. This should have come out, and it should still come out. But it's very ambiguous who owns the rights to it and who's allowed to print it. So, you know, 
if if we ever hear that anything is happening, you will be the first to know. We will tell you immediately. Uh, <laughs> but uh, in the meantime, write whatever letters you can write to whoever you can think of to write them to, I guess. Anyway, thank you so much for that and for the letter. And that is from Daniel Ratcliffe, Master System owner, Sonic stationery winner in issue 65. Ooh. Yes, I th- remember. I remember we passed comment on his name back at the time. Yes. Oh, how predictable of us. <laughs> Which one was that? What did he do in that? Then the third letter is from Daniel Ratcliffe's mother. Yep. With a letter they've titled "No Yoke" to say, "My son Daniel found an unusual way to make Sonic tails and robotic models. He magics them. He uses his magic wand to yes. magic them." <laughs> The bodies were made by covering eggshells with felt, the arms and legs were made from pipe cleaners, and the faces were painted separately on paper and then stuck onto the bodies. Are these eggs? You'd hard-boil them, I would hope. I would assume <laughs> they were empty shells. You know, when you punch a pin in them and then yes. blow the insides out? Yes, yes, yes. Still, very... Um, do, do you then do something to, like, make them solid? Because that's very fragile. You just be very careful. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> So they're not going to last long, these figures. <laughs> no. But as Megadroid says, Daniel's handiwork is on display in oh. the STC office, and it hasn't even been dropped on the floor. Oh, so, so they sent him in. Yeah, I didn't take any pictures, though. Well, Gary Zamet, I didn't expect that. Dan. So, that it turns out that actually... There's two mums have been involved in our podcast so far. Um, <laughs> Dan, A, do you have a photo of that? B, get your mum to write it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And you can find Dan on Twitter at Dan200, all words. Thanks, Dan. Flipping heck. This is an amazing project. Tremendous. What an effort. Yeah, that is just incredible. Somebody get IDW on the line. Exactly. It's all done. Just roll it off, IDW. Just give him some money. And print it. (laughs) Well, that brings us to the end of another issue, and the next issue page can now be found on the back cover of this issue. I don't think it stays here. I don't think this is its new No, this isn't my memory of it, but... Mm. Mm. But it's on the back cover of this issue. Next issue, free gift. It's the exclusive Sonic badge Megadroid warned us about. Is this (laughs) it, or...? Is this it? There's some real Dennis and Nasha fan club energy out of this badge, isn't there? Yeah, it's... uh, Because the page is... So it's split horizontally. The top half of the page is black and says in faint grey in the background, exclusive Sonic badge. And the bottom half is red and it says, pin it down. And overlaid on top of that is just a circle with an extreme close-up of Sonic's face looking looking out at us. Yep. And is the circle the badge? I think so, yeah. What a rubbish little badge, if so. Yes. Personally, I think it's kind of charming. Uh, yeah. Uh, Fair enough. I think it's kind of charming. I can see this like, being... Like, it's it's rubbish, but in a fun way. Well, what it is, is it's the actual drawing is rubbish, because it looks so 90s clip art. Just the clip art. It's just the head-on clip art shot. But if they made the well-drawn equivalent of this exact badge now, I think that'd be quite a good badge. I wonder how big it is. Mm. Is it a large one? Is it a little button badge? Yeah. I don't know. It's an exclusive Sonic badge. You couldn't buy this in shops, no, no sir. No, no, no. <laughs> Plus three new stories. Sonic, Hero Hour. Tales, Virtual Reality. Hey, yeah. Dr. Robotnik, Mock the Doc. Plus... Knuckles, Roots Conclusion. Pin-up, Aquas Badnik. One for Dan Ratcliffe. And review... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, yeah, I connected the two dots after a moment. 
Sorry, Dan. Ooh, that's an issue eight callback, yeah. folks. That, that is a callback to issue eight of this podcast. You can't see me, but I'm shaking my head disapprovingly. Mm. And review Worldwide Soccer 97. Mm. STC number 96 on sale Wednesday, the 22nd of January, 1997. Yeah. 97, yeah. what even the... One pound... Oh, we forgot to say! What? One pound 25! Yes, of course. That's right, we were forewarned. It's up 5p, this issue. Yeah, down 4pp, up 5p. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, I was just letting... The, 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 the misery of that was just sinking in for a yeah. second there. I think if the change in quality hadn't scared you off at this point, then the price increase might have. Maybe. Still, we've got issue 100 ahead of us. Yet. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, yeah, we're on an upward trajectory soon, yeah. Uh, you can find the podcast most places good podcasts are available, but you can also download it directly from our website at stctp.zone. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Sonic Podcast and also some other links, including Mastodon, if you go and look at the box on stctp.zone. You can find us separately at Twitter. I'm at Demon Tomato Dave. I am at Chris McFeely. And Joe? I am at Lesbianautica. That's lesbian and nautica like the Transformers character, but with only one N. Anything you want to plug? <laughs> yeah, I make designs for shirts and stuff that you can find in the pinned tweet on my Twitter account. There's a shirt design or, or mug, if you want, of the SDCTP logo. Ah, if you want they can have our mugs. Check that out. Hey. Yeah. I help to moderate the official Discord server for the Transformers wiki. It can be a bit hey. rowdy, but I think it's the best place <laughs> on the internet to talk about Transformers with other fans. And by the time this episode comes out, we should have launched Our Worlds Are In Danger, a podcast I'm doing with my friend Wadapan, where we watch back over the Transformers Armada cartoon and its Japanese version, Micron Legend, episode by episode, and talk about what worked, what didn't, and the nature of the adaptation. And you can find that on Twitter at Our Worlds Pod. Ooh, I look forward to that. Thanks very much for coming on, Joe. So how did you find this issue then? It was pretty good. A lot better than the next one. I don't envy <laughs> for having to do that one alone. Yes. Yeah, not to scare you off, listeners. Joe originally <laughs> wanted to come on for issue number 96 because it was the first, first issue, issue published. In her lifetime. Within born. my lifetime. But then she took one look at it and was like, <laughs> maybe not. So Dave and I are curious as to see what uh, what it contains next time. Yes. Yeah, I don't know about you, Chris. I don't remember why. What's so bad about it? <laughs> no, same. I remember the Sonic strip. I don't know what else is going on in there. <laughs> that's where you can support jolene you can support this podcast if you go over to patreon.com forward slash stctp where for any price you will find a little what's the word i'm looking for archive do you want me to do it shut up you'll find an archive <laughs> of video content that we've put together for your enjoyment including our look at the martin adams sonic novels that came out concurrent with the first year of this comic and an actual full read-through of my dreadful fanfic the end of Mobius, written when I was 12, and then again when I was 15 years old, and all bolshy and wanting to kill off all the characters, and Chris has to sit and listen through all of that. And also on the Patreon you'll find a link to our Discord, which we think you should come to because it's lovely and everybody's there and hanging out and having a nice time. This is January as well, so we'll probably have some new content coming up there sometime yes. this month, all being yes, well. Yes. Uh, which is to say the next Martin Adams novel and the next never-before-published <laughs> installment yes. of Dave's fanfiction. Dragged out of the archives, not realising it was even there, yeah. Oh, I'm very excited. I'm morbidly looking forward to that, yeah. 
Our theme song was Synchronize by Sonic the Comic The Band, that is to say a band who share the name Sonic the Comic after the comic Sonic the Comic, which is what we do a podcast about, which is why we are called Sonic the Comic The Podcast, and we'll see you next time. Oh, well, that's interesting. Ah. Um, Well, it's not interesting. Oh.